the business model that I've always had, it's like bring in artists that can focus strictly on their artwork. If they don't want to focus on their social media, we have we pay for counter staff that'll actually do it for them. Right. Their portion of the com- the commission, the percentage that they give to the shop actually goes towards covering that. Somebody taking care of their scheduling, somebody taking care of their social media, handling their clients, answering all their phone calls. They get babied. They have everything covered for them. <laughs> So all they do, they come in stress-free, give a solid tattoo, person's going to be happy about, and that's it. You go home. Yeah. Worry about your home life. Worry about you. Yeah. You, and that's the thing. You got to respect and understand that like these people have whole lives. Like Their, their art is a part of your livelihood, mm-hmm. but your livelihood is a part of their art too. Yeah. And so it's good to have a space where you've got somebody who's got your back and is like mindful of that. Yeah, that's just, a, that's how it's been since day one. Like it just focus on the artists and making sure that they're happy and enjoy life without having to have all the stress of owning their own studio. Right, But right, still right. make good money. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. Dude, I've been been giving myself like a minute to get into anything. I was just like setting up and this, that, and the other thing. And I I had the whole studio set up for this product shoot for KCF Technologies. They got a new like roll of equipment they're rolling out. I see them everywhere. They're, they, they are everywhere. All over the place. Yeah, I got really lucky getting them as a client. My friend Zoe uh, became their marketing manager and mm-hmm. she, they needed photos and videos of their original line of products. And she was like, I know somebody. And so she brought me in and then I met their VP of marketing, Sean, and he and wow. I like hit it off really well. We did the shoot last August in Chobani, like the factory is out mm-hmm. in Idaho. And we just had such a blast. And then we – so he's, I think, started to like schedule different – uh, site visits for all their different clients mm-hmm. and it's like him and I and then maybe like a regional sales manager was in Massachusetts and then we went down to uh, Atlanta uh, at the beginning of May for Georgia Pacific and for different shows like this or to actually talk to him about marketing no this was well I did have him on the podcast but this yeah. was for like doing photography and videography oh, okay. for their clients mm-hmm. and so it's kind of helped them be a a better advertiser from business to business, which is basically what their market is. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't really yeah. have consumer products. It's like if you have a manufacturing or an industrial business of any kind, and you have any of these <laughs> probably like thirty to forty pretty prescripted pieces of equipment that are in every manufacturing company or industry or facility ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're in with them, it's kind of a way to show the the bond that they have with each other, and then also to kind of uh, illustrate how they can uh, you know benefit another company that's like coming in the fold yeah i was always kind of curious what the heck they did because i i saw them go up in that high rise over there on the corner of atherton and yeah the at the and, and it's i was like so oh, crap, sweet. they took over an entire floor they got to do something crazy yeah, yeah yeah i mean definitely lots of money circulating around in there but uh and right now because of the pandemic mm-hmm. it's like mo- the offices are mostly empty i feel bad i had to go do some corporate b-roll and usually i'd be in there like shooting around and uh, you know, seeing people working, but they yeah. had to actually like schedule to have people come into the office. So mm. I had people to shoot. That's kind of a bummer. But, uh, that did a lot of damage to everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, so anyway, yeah, Dave, uh-huh. thanks for coming on the I podcast. Know, finally bro. we got to make it work. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, I've been trying for a while. Yeah. And, and then also I think for certain people, uh, you don't know how they're going to do in an interview type setting. Yeah. And so I wanted to be kind of have my chops up a little bit better so mm-hmm. that I wasn't dragging somebody out in here and being <laughs> like, okay, talk. Yeah, and then just I just sit there and look. To... I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so the questions helped a little bit. I, I should have had a Lux shirt on today. Damn. I don't know. I should have brought some. Uh, yeah. So you own Lux and Iconic Ink. Iconic Ink, Iconic Tattoo. We changed the name in State College, Iconic Tattoo, because it changed over to a partnership. Oh, so okay. So it's me and Josh now on that side, and then Lux side's particularly just me. 
And then I have the Altoona location, which is Iconic Inc. still. Yeah, and that's like right on the main strip there. We just put it right downtown now, yeah. We moved it. Yeah, we're, it's, we're in, like, an it's old in a good spot. Yeah, we're in like a turn-of-the-century <laughs> bank now. We have three vaults. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. We saw that spot come up, and I'm like, eh, it's really not that much more than we're paying now. Let's go for it. When did you open that one? Uh, it was May May 3rd, May 4th. Of this like, year? Yeah. Oh, but the building was – you were probably setting it up for – Yeah, we were setting months. it up, uh, moving over from the old location to the new one because the old one was like – it was falling apart. Oh, really? It was really? flooding all the time, and the guy wasn't willing to fix it, so we're like <laughs> – like we're out and we found this space and we walk in and it's got all these rooms, marble floors, got three vaults, central air. I was like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah oh, that's what I needed right there. I don't want to sweat central... tattooing anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you don't want to sweat getting tattooed either. No, like no, you're no, already no. kind of sweating in the process Ooh. of it. Yeah, it gets bad sometimes if it gets too hot in there because we had the AC break down on us a couple times already down here in State College. Oh, yeah. And we're just sitting there just dripping. We feel oh, so bad man. for the people we're tattooing. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. The last thing you want to do I'll is wear a headband. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Wristband straps and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweatbands sure no sweat and everything. Uh, so I wanted to kind of – one of the reasons I, I've been bringing people in that are like local to here mm-hmm. are like local business owners. And mm-hmm. so I do a lot now in partnership with Happy Valley Industry, which is kind of just about yeah. to start making some announcements and kicking off. And, uh, you know, so one of the things that – they really are trying to do is start to highlight these businesses that are operating in the area and why they would choose to be here in state college or here in happy Valley. And, uh, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask, you know, sort of how you go. Well, yeah, yeah. The big question is how did you kind of get into this space? Like, was this like an entrepreneurial endeavor first? Cause you just started tattooing recently, Yeah. but you've been business managing these tattoo parlors yeah, for about 11 years now. Yeah. It's yeah. Like you're a decade plus, And then you're <laughs> like, okay, at 10, I'll start doing tattoos. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I don't know. Like I kind of fell into it because Adam and Sean were the original two guys. I worked with Adam at AccuWeather. And oh, he was really? tattooing at home. So he was he was tattooing me at home. Like my first tattoo was almost 30 years ago, feels <laughs> like anyways. Um, so he started tattooing me. He did his fourth tattoo, fifth and sixth in one session on me. And that's just because we got to know each other at AccuWeather. And I'm like, dude, I didn't know you tattooed. He's like, yeah, this guy's trying to pr- bring us over to Steampunk. The oh, original yeah, studio. yeah, yeah. And that's where Sean was. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, they were doing some shady shit in the back. So... We had to do, we had to get out of there. So he's like, you know, this management stuff. Cause I was in school for business. Okay. Um, and then, so that was your background then. Yeah. I have a associate's degree in business. Not really anything crazy. My, my bachelor is in criminal justice, which I don't use. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were like, you know, all about this stuff. Cause I managed stuff since I was 16. That's kind of where my job performance ever always took me. Even so, in AccuWeather, I was director of TV. I don't know how I got there. <laughs> it just happened. So they're like, yeah, you know how to do this stuff. I was like, yeah, I can figure it out if I don't. Right, right, right. Next thing you know, I'm putting $80,000 into giving it a shot. I'm broke at that point. Right. Working full time and then doing that full time. And finally, I got to the point where I didn't have – that was my job. Yeah. So I definitely have them to thank for getting into it. But the business side of it, like they didn't know anything about it. So they wanted somebody that could do it. So I did it. That's almost ideal, right? Like if you're – if you are – if you're partnering with people, you don't want to be doing – you don't want to have to do everything. You want to have the team around you be the people that can do everything that they do individually to the best of their ability. Like, I don't want to be able to, I don't want to have to do everything if I'm doing a project with a group mm-hmm. of people. I just want to do what I do really, really well. And I want like a team of a few other people that are banging on all cylinders, doing the exact same level or quality of work, Pretty hitting much. that bar in their avenue. So probably, you know, super advantageous to have somebody who's got like 
that business mind and you, you know, and I've known you, I've always known you to be that way. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts about whenever we meet up and we're out and about and we randomly <laughs> run into each other. If we ever just start chopping it up and talking shop, it's like, oh, what are you doing about this? And you're, you're an idea guy, but you also execute, which yeah. is like, those are two distinctions in, in people that are creative or entrepreneurial. There's a lot of people that can, you know, pie in the sky at all day, but it's like, they can't come up with a plan of action to start executing on it, then it's, mm -hmm. it's almost worthless. It's like, it's just a bunch of dreams. I have dreams too, Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't have plans for It's hard for to go for them. that risk. Everybody's mm, always yeah. afraid of that risk. Like a lot of people can't just be like, yeah, I'm going to take all the money out of my savings account and do this. And I'm going to make it work because I know I can make it work, but it could not work because there's always that percent of a chance that you're just going to, it's just going to fall through. Yeah. So my ideal, since like we started that, that was my original risk taking moment. And after that, I was like, all right, let's do it all. <laughs> so I've had nine studios. That's wild. And in the last 11 years. Yeah, I've had nine <laughs> studios. I just kept opening them. And I was like, oh, like, I get this part. So I'm like, I'm going to keep going with that. And it changed up. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do next? And it fell on my lap to do the brewery. Yeah. Because I, I worked in restaurants. I managed restaurants for like eight years. I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. And you'd never go into business with your family. That's all I'm going to say. About that. <laughs> it's just too much of butting heads. So I just kind of moved on from that one. But I got to sell that and then move on to a new project. Well, there's something to be said there. Uh, when, when I'm thinking about, you know, the different career opportunities and paths you've taken, you, if you think about, you know, AccuWeather, the business side of owning a tattoo shop, now you're a tattoo artist. And also at some point, the restaurateur, you know, kind of like restaurant runner. There's a lot of uh, different skill sets in there. And I, I love whenever I meet people that are able to sort of like, it's not even a lateral movement. It's like mm -hmm. you, you stop playing the sport and went to a new game. Yeah. But a lot of people get stuck in, uh, this is what I do for a living. And so I can't do this other thing that I may be more passionate about because mm -hmm. doing that would, you know, be the pay cut or the, you know, whatever reason you come up for, for why you don't do that something. That is always a scary part to worry about the pay cut. It's like, I might do this and might not pay as well, but it depends on how much you progress on that one situation. Like it, the tattoo shop just kind of worked for me. And then I started splitting the tattoo shop with the piercing studio, yeah, which helped with revenue and everything like that and the profit margin. So I was like, okay, now I can start doing that. Right. I, I owned a barber shop for a year and a half. I sold it to the guy who owns it now. Um, I started getting into real estate investing. It's like, cause if you, if you're making good money, and you're getting to that point where you're getting comfortable. What are you going to do with the extra? Right. Just stock market. <laughs> that's not going to work for me. Yeah. For that's, sure. scarce, that, that's a risk I'm not, I'm not willing to take. So I right. started going into real estate. So I started buying investment properties. Uh, how many investment properties do you have right now? I have one that's a two unit. I just bought it a year and a half ago. And then I've been looking ever since. I actually have three I'm looking at and buying in a portfolio right now. Because um, honestly, there's so much investment real estate for like multi-units and whatnot. So I started taking classes and all that stuff to learn all really? about it. And it's just like, it's the business end. It's the fun thing of building something from nothing. Right. So it's like, all right, I'm going to try this and see if I could build something bigger out of it. And that's the excitement for me. That's where I really strive. That's where I really get excited about and really can go for. Well, so I, I did have a question for you then. Mm -hmm. If you've gone from, uh, you know, the first business you started was here in state college, right? Yeah. So if you've started the first one here, you've obviously, you've had the opportunity to move or change locations, but mm -hmm. you've, you know, decided to stay in a pretty highly prominent walking way of yeah. State College. Like Allen Street is like one of the busiest streets in State College mm -hmm. and you have like a nice storefront and it's not like it's a small, like strip mall size, mm -hmm. you know, uh, shop. You've got like. Bigger than we needed, but. 
It works. <laughs> right. But there's something about the aesthetic to that, right? Like yeah. when you walk in there, it's really nice. You don't feel cramped. You ever go into a tattoo? I'm sure you have. But yeah. for people that you know are listening, like if you've gone into tattoo studios that are just really, really small or just like narrow walls or there's just not a lot of space to move around, it's not like you get the sense of claustrophobia because you may not suffer from that at all. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, that things aren't spaced out, like people like to be in a place that's like laid out well and has nice space. And you did really cool lighting in there. And yeah, uh, really kind of yeah, make well, it you, exciting. Yeah, you did a really good job of really locking in the aesthetic for that. Well, that's a great. That. That's a great place to walk into if mm-hmm. you're messing around and thinking about maybe getting a tattoo yeah. or it's like, less you know, intimidating. Yeah, and it's really bright. It's, yeah. it's like super nice and you know, and look like you're like sitting in a corner in a big shadow. Like, is somebody gonna eat me? Right, right, right. So, like, what was the reason for getting? So, Lux is like the new baby, right? Yeah. And even though it's not the newest store now, but it's like the, it is like the big new baby. Yeah. For me it is. Yeah. Is it just Lux only or is Lux just the left side and then the right side is Lux is Lux only because it's so solely owned by me. Okay. The iconic tattoo is a partnership now. So they're separate entities. We just, the way we built them together is that we had to build ADA bathrooms for state college borough. Right. So the Lux side already had them. And they allowed for a certain amount of square footage. We had everything. All we needed was a door going to them. Right. So it just saved us from losing like a ton of space in the back of the shop. Right, 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 right. And it was probably would have been on another $80,000 budget just to put in ADA compliant bathrooms for <laughs> that large of a space. It's like, I could put a door. It's fine. We'll put in a door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm capable of doing this. Yeah, we'll do the door. Let's just shave a cool casual 80K <laughs> off of this if we can. Yeah, any so way you can. why that spot in particular? Like it just came up and it was a good opportunity or like – because you could have jumped anywhere. Yeah. But also they say location, location, location. Like location that's a great spot. Big. Yeah, well, we, I, the big thing I think about is Arts Fest. Like next week we got Arts right. Fest. It's going to go right down Allen Street. A lot of the things close down for Allen Street. Everything's right outside. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I always wanted to be on College Avenue. Very hard for a tattoo shop to get in College Avenue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing, but that's a whole other story. Um, so <laughs> we this is the third time we've moved, and we just progressively built. Um, right. Because we keep getting more and more artists. We're trying to have all styles. Um, so we wanted a space that we still get the walk-in traffic. We're still in the heart of downtown. Like right up the street is Old Main. You got the corner room around the corner. Everything yep. is walking through. So I, that one popped up, and I was like, side-by-side locations. I could finally do my piercing studio. Yeah, and have them be linked together and yeah. have them be separate entities. It's like there, there are a lot of things that are banging all in one cylinder. But I'm sure that is like a shot-in-the-dark mm-hmm. opportunity to try to find that kind of a setup yeah, downtown. Like that's, that's like – yeah, I, I don't know how much of it – could possibly be attributed to just your business acumen. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is like this just divine intervention and luck to be able oh, yeah. to lock in these two places side by side like that. Yeah, but, that I mean, you nice. did it really well, man. You executed it, I think, flawlessly. Yeah, that, like we got out of our lease early and everything just to get this space because I've been looking for something like that. Because the, the whole European thing where it was like tattoo shop, barber shop. Right. And then they started doing tattoo shop, piercing studios side by side. So they're separate entities. They can have separate, you know, um, separate structures, separate the core, the environment's completely different. Yeah. So people that are scared to go to a tattoo shop to get pierced now can just go into a piercing studio that looks like a jewelry store and not be freaked out. Yeah, and it's really so, nice. I mean, your jewelry there is pricey. It is yeah. like really nice quality stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I I know a ton of people. What's good about that, though, is that you're not – you don't have to worry about anybody feeling like they walked out of there getting something cheap. Exactly. Like there's – obviously there's markup. It's a business. Mm-hmm. But like to be able to – you know, it's like the Apple uh, product – 
way of selling stuff. It's like if you can actually come in and like see this nice piece of jewelry and you know pick it up and touch yeah. it and imagine it, you are way more likely to buy that. And mm-hmm. it's a really nice like they they themselves are almost pieces of art unto themselves. That's that was the idea of it. It's like to break the mold of going into like a business and having <laughs> <laughs> I almost said things, but going into a business and seeing jewelry that has like points on it. Like stuff that they'll just stab into your ear with a piercing gun. Right. And I'm like, all right, that piece of jewelry has like chunks of fake gold hanging off of it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna heal well. It's gonna cause lots of problems. So why not just get it right the first time? Right. Pay a little extra money. Yeah, it is a little more expensive because you're using different types of titanium to start different types of metal. But you're getting that first piece of jewelry that's gonna last however you want it to last. Right, exactly. And you can literally just replace the tops of it and spend half the amount of money. Right. So I was like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And I just wanted to be that high-end piercing studio, but still have the lower-end options and give specials. Yeah. So we do like $20 piercing day. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. still offer those opportunities for people that don't want to spend that much money but still get quality out of it. Oh, yeah. I, I have friends that as soon as they see it, they're like, oh, I'm going to go in and get this piercing. I'm like, I didn't remember you saying you you wanted to do that. And they're like, <laughs> I've been waiting. I haven't said much about it because That's it's otherwise ridiculously priced to go get done. But I trust the guys. I mean, you guys, yeah. you also have a sort of community trust in that too because yeah. – you are this sort of staple, like you guys are the place, you yeah. know? I, I've, I've been here for 31 years too. So it's like, that's just showing my age, but <laughs> it's, I, I went to high school here. Like this is, that's why I chose like, this is home base. Right. Like my family's here. My kids are here. Everything is home. Yeah. So I can feel the most comfortable in state college. Well, there's something about the area, right? Like it doesn't matter where you're from. If you come here, this is Obviously, like Happy Valley, that term comes from the bubble that existed during, you know, the Great Depression. It was mm-hmm. basically the university sort of propped up the town by being able to sort of uh, keep the industry and the economy here mm-hmm. going because of students being in the area and taking classes. And then obviously you can have shops and businesses downtown. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of exists in this economic bubble. But that's almost not at all the reason why people, I would say, would – want to come here and stay here it's like there's just something about the it's got a certain je ne sais quoi that, yeah, to the area that's like second to none i yeah, know man, so it really many people does. that have left and come back they always come back and, and it's I crazy ton, i know a lot of people that like they just got sick of this area mm-hmm. and then left and i guess like if you've traveled enough which obviously you have and i have like you just go to uh, the there are towns like this or close mm-hmm. to this but there's something about this area that yeah. is not quite the same as everywhere else there really is it's 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 hard to pinpoint but it's I don't know. It just makes you feel warm and toasty inside. But so, I, I still want to leave at some point because right, I've been right, here right. for a really long time. Well, if you have some investment properties here, it's yeah. like I don't ever have to really leave anywhere. I can yeah. just go wherever it's, I've got places set up. That's kind of what I'm seeing at this point. So I'm trying to move around because I've had studios all the way down to Tampa. So I had Tampa, Louisiana, Tennessee. <laughs> I've, I've been all over Pennsylvania in different studios. So I was like, eh, we'll try it different areas. But then you have to trust people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust you can't people. be there every day. Yeah, so you, you kind of have to trust people and hope that they'll do the right thing and put up cameras and all that stuff. But it's, <laughs> right. it's still by the time you get on a plane and get down there, it's a whole new ball game. So it, some of them didn't work out. Some of them did. Some of them I sold off to the artists because I wanted to build something for them because that's the fun part for me. Right, right, right. It's, it's not you're not making it. something along the way, but you're also sort of teeing somebody else up. Yeah. So building it for that year, then they're like, yeah, I want to take this over. It's like, all right, pay me and I'll give it to you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's the business part right there. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're in the creative entrepreneurial space, it's like there are a lot of people that you can be learning hard lessons through. And uh, to have somebody that's there to kind of walk you through it in a positive way and help you avoid the pitfalls. Yeah, I work with friends all over the country that just like ask me questions on why I did this and why I did that. 
and then I'll do the same thing with them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the friends that I have in my life that don't gatekeep their secrets. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm, if I ask somebody like, like if you were to ask me like, how oh, how did I how did I set this up? Like how did you like build this out? Like why or mm-hmm. what what did you know who did this or whatever? I'm not the kind of person who's going to be like, oh well, you know, I just had a team, you know, like I just you got to you got to believe in it. <laughs> like I'm not going to say I'm going to be like, oh well, actually I found a guy in Port Matilda that does you know reclaim pallets and. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have sort of – I always liked like that reclaimed palette wood boarding mm-hmm. style of things, yeah. especially if you kind of do it tastefully. And uh, it's like 50 cents a board or maybe even a quarter a board or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I can go out there for, you know, I don't even know what – maybe 20 bucks I spent or 50 bucks max mm-hmm. to get every piece of wood that I needed. And I trimmed them all to the same length. And then I – you know, I just kind of like – I had a process in mind for what I wanted to do. I found a guy who did it. I started hand building everything. And – I would share that with anybody willingly because if they were interested in, I have a friend who's getting ready to move into a basement in a new townhome mm-hmm. and it's unfinished. And he was like, I just don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm renting. I don't want to, I don't want to put anything up on the walls. So mm-hmm. I don't know how, what, what I should do. And I was like, I would just build like a dummy wall. I was yeah, like, you could easily. That's a like, perfect idea. Exactly what you did there. Yeah. So I was like, if you want, I will walk you through that process yeah. and bring over the tools and you can go to town and do it. It'd be nice. It'd be a little mm-hmm. fun project for you. And you can, when you're done, you know, collapse it down and take it with you or whatever. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. But that there's just some people don't do that. They like they gatekeep the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to share their, exp- you know, their, ex- yeah. you know, their, their success formula or whatever yeah, it is. Everybody thinks they, everything's a secret, but eventually you do find out that secret. If it's right. not from them, it's from somebody else because somebody else has done it somewhere. Right. And yeah, and, and it's not like if you telling me mm-hmm. how you did this or that or how you jump into real estate and, mm-hmm. and or doing anything like that is going to pull from you, right? Like, no. what are the odds we're going to go and try to bid on the same piece of property? Okay, say it does happen. Like, that I'm usually the fun. kind of person. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> it's, like, sure. it's like, I'm beating you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step up, step up. Let's, let's see it. <laughs> How bad you want it? Here's an extra 5K <laughs> on that offer. Uh, yeah, but the having people in your life that aren't afraid to kind of share their mm-hmm. their success uh, recipe or whatever it is that kind of gets them to where they are, yeah. That's you have to find those people. They're not everywhere. And I feel like luckily with the advent of, you know, the internet kind of booming as it is. Yeah, it helps a little bit to find out things that you normally wouldn't know. So like with like me, I, I talked to a couple of people. I know that they've actually opened their businesses on my business model. Nice. And um, I'm like, I, I get excited about that. I'm like, hell yeah, man. I'm like, do it, <laughs> do it. You got this. Like, I want to see you be successful because that means my shit works. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're just, you're just proof of concept. Like, let's just keep this going. So, yeah. uh, w- tell me about like the services that you offer between Lux and I- Iconic, like side by side. Like, what, like if people wanted to come in and get something, mm-hmm. or if they're they're just brainstorming. Like, I have a lot of people who are like, well, I got this idea, mm-hmm. but I don't know how I want to pull it together. And I try to steer my friends that are like, oh, I'm going to get a tattoo. I have this exact idea of what I want. I just mm-hmm. want them to do it. I'm like, think about if you were the artist that were about to give this tattoo. The almost last thing I want to do is put together something for somebody that is not something I had any part of. Yeah. It's there's a place for it. If you want to get if you're the kind of person that collects a bunch of like traditional flash tattoos, mm-hmm. you can go to somebody who's worth their salt and does that or whatever. Yeah. But if you have like a concept or an idea, I almost like with Gecko, mm-hmm. I almost always just go to him. I'm like, this is what I want. Yeah. You're like, like you go to town. Thing. Right. I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, I want your touch on this because it's gonna yeah. be better than anything I can cobble together with whatever artist I can come up yeah. with that can help me. I love giving it. that artist – like you want to give the artist their artist interpretation on what you're giving them. Yeah. Because it's going to come out so much better. Like this, I wanted a samurai. Right. The guy just drew it on my skin. It was like, here you go. I'm like, that is that's, it. that's even better than what yeah. I thought it was going to be. Let's just go so, ahead and start putting this in my yeah, body. It's the same thing with Gecko. I wanted a geisha. And he's like, 
there you go. Yeah, man, he kills it. I didn't have to really like give him a picture of what one looked like. Right. He he's going to do the research. He's he going to find. And he also, what I love about his process is he like does the outline of your arm. Mm -hmm. So he kind of be like, this is your actual shape. Mm -hmm. So this is the real canvas I actually have to work on if yeah. I'm doing a piece that is going to wrap around my forearm or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. He gave me like the model and everything with this on my hand like this. Right. And then I'm like, all right, go for it. And then he's like, well, you mind if I try this color? <laughs> yeah, I don't I, care what you try. I've, I know your work. I know what you do. Right. Go for it. Yeah, big, big part of the process is learning to trust the artist that you're working yeah. with and and picking artists that you trust because of that. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I like being in this industry in the documentary sense and also yeah. the collector sense where you can kind of see the different gambit of people. Like there's people that go in, it's their first tattoo, and I just don't know what I would get that's like going to be on my body mm -hmm. forever. It's like, okay, if that's the conversation you're having, yeah, you're probably not – it out a little longer. Yeah, you'll, you'll either come to the point where you want one and you're dead set on it or you won't. And uh and I like just sort of seeing where everybody is in that journey of how they, you know, kind of figure out what they want to do if they want to do one. It's, it's always an interesting story when people come in because everybody always feels like they have to have a meaning for everything that they right, do. Right, no, right, right. Yeah, about, what's your tattoo It's about mean? the art. It's about right. the art. Like, uh, like everybody starts with their first one or two tattoos with meaning. Right. Because then it, it pushes them in there. It throws them in there. Okay, now you can do it. Right. Now – it, it doesn't matter what else you get besides that. Right. And then you, you jump in the abstract. Like. Yeah. You see something you like, you see a style you like, you keep getting that style. Yeah. You just go with it. Yeah. And that, that question of like, what does it mean? It's like, it means, uh, I like that thing. <laughs> and that's what that means. I, I've got this much canvas and I'd like to collect things that are just interesting mm -hmm. to me. Uh, but yeah, so, okay, you, people can come in and get consultations. Then yeah, have that's like what usually I, I push for that every time somebody calls in or somebody emails, messages. It's like, okay, I'm not too sure what I want, but these are the things I want to incorporate it. All right. right. All right, come on in, bring your images. We'll take pictures of it and we'll start scrambling things together. We'll draw around it. We'll see what you, we'll, so you can see a visual of what you're going to get, Yeah. of the idea you're going to get. And then... A consultation, of course, is going to be exactly that. So you don't pay for it. Right. You're not. Right. You're, nobody's getting mad if you don't like the idea. Right. Right. You just okay. Either you unless you're a people you pleaser, right? And then you're like, yeah, yeah, that that looks cool. And then you you, you just go full tilt and get. It. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. there's some people that are afraid to say no, right? Or, yeah. And especially when you feel like you've kind of put somebody out by asking them mm -hmm. to design something for you. But that's a part of like that the culture and etiquette where you have to understand, like, no, like you they understand it's 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 going on you for the rest of your yeah. life. So they kind of get that you're going to want to be a little particular. And then on yeah, the, the flip be. side, you've got a client who can be just overbearing with all the minutia, little tweaks and adjustments. And then you spend like a month in the yeah. sketching and drawing, but that's like, you need to find that there's a balance in there and then let go of some of the control and, and just sit in the chair. Well, some people don't realize like some things just can't be tattooed. Like <laughs> we want, we want longevity. We want something that's going to look right. normal in five years. Right. If you come in with this design, it's so intricate and so, tiny line put together right five years you're not even gonna know what it is right exactly so or it needs artists, to be massive to be able to maintain like yeah. the you know the size and then, the scale then of the like, structure oh my god that's gonna cost so much money it's gonna be this big and i only wanted it this big but right right people do it like you see it all over instagram people use tiny little tattoos and you're like let me see that in five years right 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 yeah you know, it's just a blob of blue i don't know yeah well and then so one of the things i learned from just documenting tattoos with like ty McEwen and and gecko was that they'll set certain tattoos up to be done in stages intentionally so that they can get that natural fade that kind of takes place over the yeah. course of like a year or so. So that when they go back and they rehit it, they can really start to build in contrast mm -hmm. with like depth and color without having to go so sharp and so dark and contrasty from the get go. Yeah. And you almost get a better gradient if you're looking for like the, that right layer of shading. Yeah. And that's the best way to do it when you have people that are patient. 
Right. A lot of people want it right then and there, and it, it's an argument. So yeah. sometimes you're like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, I've been sitting on this bio piece from Gecko for, I think, like four years now. Mm-hmm. And when we were going to go do it right before lockdown hit, yeah. and uh, he was stationed out of uh, Fullington's house, and he was doing uh, different – he had, like, a studio set up in that back room. Yeah. And, uh, the day I went to go do it, he was like, Hey man, I'm so sorry. I'm actually on a flight home because they might be locking the airport down and I don't want to be stuck here. If I've got well, bills and clients and I stuff like that, that I got to take care of. Yeah. It was a rough period. Yeah. How did you end up weathering it? Was it a little rough for you too? Obviously. Cause uh, it, it actually wasn't bad for tattoo shops. Like as really? being open, like the only thing that was bad is when they required us to shut down. Right. So right, right. we, we did shut down for two months. I paid the artists their average for two months. Cause I, I account for that stuff. That's what you have to do in business. Right. You have to make sure you have an escrow account for stuff When you're a like good that. guy, Dave, the business manager, you've yeah, thought you these kinda, things through. Even though you didn't expect that, nobody expected that to happen. Right. But, but we did it and we did it right. And we shut down like they told us to. And then we started trickling towards the end there, even when they were still telling us not to. <laughs> but we followed all the protocols, put the masks on. We're constantly sanitizing. Right. We had a HEPA air filter sitting in there, one in the front, one in the back. And we tried to do our due diligence. I had, was it was a Hall Bakers? They were doing uh, sanitation bombs. Oh, I would yeah, have them yeah. come in every two months and do one. Wow. And that was like 1500 a pop. Wow. So we were trying to do everything we could to make everybody feel comfortable and right. happy to walk into a clean environment. But it's like, there's only so much you can do. We all know somebody right. sneezes, somebody <laughs> breathes the wrong way through that mask. It's coming right through. Yeah. There's that period of time where everybody <laughs> like, if you, if you're out in public and you, you're like vaccinated or not, you're just out and you're in public and you're, you're healthy and you're safe and you like, just have a dry, like, oh, I need to uh, drink some water, a little cough or like you a get sneeze. That look from everybody. Like, <laughs> you just killed the entire world. Yeah. Like this guy just drowned up. <laughs> I can't believe he just killed me. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Great. Now I'm dead. I hope you're happy. You might as well just been a sniper on the roof that everybody just saw right then and there. It's like, oh, man, he's just picking us off one by one now. I, I, almost, uh, I almost feel more comfortable in the tattoo space and piercing studio space because they are – there's like an extra degree mm-hmm. of cleanliness that goes oh, yeah. into that that you don't get in almost any other business that no. is keeping up with like, you know, routine cleaning yeah, procedures. Yeah, Like we have – Yeah, the for guy, sure. He comes in all the time and just says hello and he checks all of our statums, our uh, autoclaves, make sure we're cleaning everything properly, checks the corners for too much dust. Like you have to clean, keep a clean environment. They're like you're going you're gonna to mess people up. Like right. you have to be diligently cleaning all day every day. Right. And so you have the, uh, the consultation tattoo side mm-hmm. of things. Yep. Uh, then there's obviously the getting the actual tattoo done and, you know, maybe you decide that's going to be a couple sessions or whatever, depending yep. on what the piece is. Um, have you thought about getting into the tattoo removal side of things? Yeah. It's very expensive. It really is. I yeah. actually, I just went through my first experience over the past year mm. and I had to do it in three month block or 12 weeks, eight to 12 weeks or something like that. So I yeah. scheduled them every like 12 to get the full distance on, you know, the longer yeah, the after, right. yeah, you like let it linger out for longer and mm-hmm. it'll fade a little bit better. And, uh, I think my last one was in May or at the very, I want to say like right in the beginning of May. So uh, I'm done with my three removal session mm-hmm. thing that I did, but the way they had it set up, it was a very, uh, the one that I've gone to is damn it. I cannot remember the name of them, but they're <laughs> basic. There's one that's in Lancaster and that's where they just opened up. And then uh, the one that I went to originally was in Allentown, and mm-hmm. they had opened up a new shop, Removery. Removery. That's yep. how that was coming through my head, and I'm like, wait a minute. Right. I we were talking about this. I just researched this like a week ago. Right. Well, I they was changed like, it starts with an R. They changed it to Removery. It was something else. I forget what it was yeah, called. Yeah, they used to come to the studio all the time as like a pop-up shop every month. Right. 
Um, so yeah, they changed it to Remover because uh, Tattoo Kingpin actually owned the original name that they had. Oh, really? So they had to remove. They had to change it to a different name. Uh, it's, it, it, removery is an interesting word, yeah. but Hey, it stands out. Like I, I couldn't remember it for a second, but now it's, it came back to me. Yeah, that's no, all it popped in my head. As soon as you said, it, I was like, yep, that's it. So what do you do? Do you like broker a deal with them where it's like, Hey, you're going to get people to come in and schedule stuff and mm-hmm. you're doing pop-ups. Like that's is- what we were doing for a little while. And then COVID hit and everything just stopped. Right. Uh, so yeah, they would come in, they, they had a portable station that they would come and bring all their equipment. And I'm telling you, like they're. Two of these machines cost you about 140 grand. Easily, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's if you're getting the right ones. Like you can get like the handheld ones and whatnot, and they'll do a little bit. Right. But you'll have to get a lot more sessions. So yeah. These for are the sure. ones that it's like two or three sessions, and you're pretty close. Yeah, that's sort of the equilibrium, right? If you go, yeah. you spend the money. I think I spent like 1,500 bucks. Yeah. Over three sessions to get it done, and I could have easily gone and gotten like a five or six hundred dollar handheld kind mm-hmm. of a thing, and then just had to literally sit there and do it constantly for yeah. a while to see the. And worry about if you're gonna burn your arm right. through three layers of skin who knows right. like you can get like third degree burns on your arms and make yourself go blind yeah there's I, so many issues I, I had a ton of people tell me that it was worse than getting a tattoo getting oh, the tattoo and i was like that seems impossible like how could you beat the trauma of you know a 12 gauge needle going in out of your arm a thousand times a minute and uh then you go and you get it done you're like oh yeah. oh shit yeah this you're only is there for is. like two three minutes <laughs> yeah I, yeah both my sessions were like 10 to 12 minutes and i was like that was like I, five I'm five tapping. for me and that was it oh I had, man like, my whole shoulder done and it was five minutes a session and i'm like it reminds you of that remember when you were kids and you used to slap people with rubber bands right yeah it sounds like that but like a thousand times yeah yeah really really it's rapid like clicking uh, and what was funny was there's that smell that you get. Yeah. And I, I was like, do you smell that? I thought it was burning. Am cash. I burning? And she was like, <laughs> so fun fact about that. The girl, she was like, you were the only one who can smell that. Cause that's your body's wow. processing. Hmm. This is happening. And it's literally a part of the, you know, the circulatory blood flow of what's mm. going on. Like, I don't, you don't bleed, but you do kind of like get that sort of. Yeah, and sometimes you get the, like the blisters and the bruising. Right. Yeah, I had I had the bruising, but not so much the blisters. But I saw people that had pretty massive blisters on their arms. Yeah, I lucked out. I, I, th- I, I, did, I took it like a champ. I was not, I like live streamed. I had just gotten to the point where I could live stream on TikTok. So I live streamed that my first session. And I'm like, you're trying to be cool. You're like. You that think it'd be a little ball easy. to grip? Yeah, it that is, is not, not easy. No, absolutely not. I was like, I've, I've been, I've went for 11 and a half hours on tattoos and I, I <laughs> couldn't last like three minutes. I was like, oh, stop. It's like such Your a visceral. Your whole body starts shaking. Yeah, it's like a really intense, you're like, you're like, damn, that's, that's like the difference in hot sauces, right? Like I can have like yeah. a classic hot sauce and then you have these like killer, mean, hot ones-esque style versions of them. And you're like, why? Why do we, uh, how can we? fathom that amount of pain in our mouths like how do, why do we have the capacity to feel that uh so okay so you have thought about getting into this space does that yeah. take getting a you'd have to have like a certified technician i'm guessing yeah the state of pennsylvania required like a medical medical director okay so that's the only issue you have to find one that's willing to put their license on the line for you to have it in their space right so that's that's one of the big i have one that's teetering because i'm looking into getting in the um like uh, lip injections and stuff like that oh, okay med spa yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, my fiance is uh, going to school for a nurse practitioner, so she'll be able to administer all that stuff. So right. it's something she wants to do down the road. So I was looking for a medical director. I might have one, but we'll see if it gets to that point. I just we had it here for eight months, and we had like maybe one or two clients come in every day, every time that they came. Right. So I'm like, is it is the ROI really going to be there? Right, right, right. Is it going to really show and give me 140 thousand dollars in the next five to ten years? Yeah. Is it worth it? I don't know. So, okay. So tattoo removal is a possibility here in the future, but until, until we get the, you know, the right sanctioned, uh, you know, 
uh, allowances to be able to make that happen. So then you go over to, is there anything I'm not really covering in the tattoo side of things? Um, we're doing permanent makeup now too. Oh. Yeah, so we started playing around with a little bit of that, started going to conventions and different conferences to learn more about it. So we have a microblade artist that does like lips, um, eyeliner, uh, the blushing, eyeshadow. That's crazy. Yeah. So we have her doing that and then we're going to be doing, uh, the areolas and we're going to do, um, scar and uh, stretch mark rejuvenation. Okay. That's a big one. That's kind of weird, but it's inkless. So you don't actually use cover up ink. What do you, you use do? a serum? It's a medically approved oh, serum okay. with like they rebuilds like collagen and whatnot. Yeah, skin, yeah, so it yeah. rebuilds the skin. So I have uh, I'm gonna be starting doing patch tests on that so people can see what it's like. Right. Isn't it so funny that like the stigma behind a tattoo shop and a, a piercing studio is mm. such that it's like, ah, oh, it's just a bunch of delinquent degenerates. Meanwhile, like there are they're, some. They're, of course, <laughs> obviously there are. That's all industries, right? The, yeah. the bad apples that exist everywhere. But the reality is if you are like a very like forward thinking, progressive entrepreneurial mm. spirit in that space, you're keeping up with a lot of like m- not just medical, but like creative and artistic mm. trends, entrepreneurial trends on how people are running running things. Yeah. It's like, what else can we do? Right. right. Just keep progressing and keep offering different services that are going to help people in the long run. And that's yeah. why I like this one. I'm going to focus on, uh, uh, self mutilation scars. Oh, okay. So that's like, going to be a big one for like me. Scarification yeah, and stuff like scarification. Yeah. So that? like anybody that does like, uh, you know, like they have things that they regret. I've had a couple come in that, uh, they regret their scars that are all up and down their arms. Right. 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 But it's the same thing as like a stretch mark type of thing. You can actually go over with the inkless, rebuild the skin, rebuild their collagen, the color, everything. So and easily actually- like a decade ago, if, if you had a scar that mm-hmm. was like, like I have scars on my face like mm-hmm. from di- a different things. I had a teacher in second grade dropped a film projector on my head and, and then my brother threw a rock at me when I was like four. I have a funny story about yeah. that and I like have a split in my eyebrow before. It was like a trend to have like part of your eyebrow yeah, no, shaved. Like- I'm just missing this actually. <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, in Muay Thai I had like a, I think it was like a pimple or a blackhead mm-hmm. and I got, I got punched in the face like real hard and I think it popped it inward and it turned into like a cyst oh, and geez. so it started climbing up towards my eye and they were like hey we're gonna have to cut that out and stitch you up and i was like no more my scars more scars right, right right for sure but then meanwhile like you know i used to play video games and there was a final fantasy 8 there was a guy who had a he had like a slash that went like mm. the whole way across like that side of his face and i'm like oh man that is such a sick scar i would love to have that scar and then inadvertently i have slowly started to accrue <laughs> that i was in st louis for new years in 2012 and uh, my buddy JV and I were trying to break up a fight. It was happening in a bar, and there was a couple that was kind of getting tossed into the mix that mm-hmm. clearly did not want to be. And so I just kind of pushed them into a corner and shielded them and threw my arms up over the top of them so that they were kind of like held in this corner in the mm-hmm. stairwell. And I turned around to check on my buddy JB, and I called for him. And as soon as I turned around and called his name, there, I saw it, and it was so dark and obviously not easy to see in a club that I – I super last second saw a bottle get flung through the thing and smacked me right Oof. in the face, split my, split my like eyebrows. So now I literally have that scar across my face <laughs> that I thought I wanted so bad. It's like but, an interlinking of all that. Right, right, right. I, I can comfortably say I've got buyer's remorse. You know, I didn't yeah. exactly want it to go down that way. I always thought like a sword or something and surviving that way yeah. cooler than, you it's know. Like Samurai Ninja tried to attack you. Right, right, right. Got yeah. you just right in front of yeah, the face and you got away. Off, but- <laughs> You beat them, took on like three or four of them. Right, yeah, right, it's right. Never, it's no big it's deal. It's never really a cool story like that. No, They're Usually never. pretty bad. But so so uh, on the, the piercing side of things then, mm-hmm. you guys obviously do probably consultations for that too. Do you have do you do walk-ins for either side of the store? Yeah, the, we do them for both sides. We always have a walk-in artist on the tattoo side and we have uh, plenty of room. Piercings take five to ten minutes. So you right. can always be walking in, but 
the consultations on multiple projects. Right. That's usually something that we try to make appointments for. So we can allot the amount of time that they need. Yeah. But overall, and people can walk in anytime they want. So what do you have coming up outside? I mean, like as somebody that I know is always very entrepreneurial and doing stuff, like what are some of the other things on the horizon? Like you've tapped into real estate. Do you have any other sort of like fringe ideas that you've been dabbling with that you've been thinking about pulling the trigger on? I'm working with a salon um, about opening up a like larger scale salon and spa because that's where the med spa is going to build into from a spa to massage therapy to chiropractic to med spa and all that kind of stuff in one building. Is that all going to be in Lux? Um, there's a building, there's a space in the back of the shop right now that yeah. we're considering, um, but it's just too small. It's not going to allow us to build out. Right. So right. we're still kind of holding off on it, but uh, she owns the studio out in Belfont and uh, she wants to expand here within the next year. So me and her have been working on a diff- bunch of different ideas and eventually within a year or so, we'll probably have that moving along too. Well, so, you're smart about taking your time with the building process, right? Like everything, yeah. everything is, you can you get all ideas all day. Yeah, but yeah, you don't you want to be executing on all of them. Because every time you rush that, then you lose your opportunity for the thing that you were, was on the back burner. Right. So always leave yourself a little bit of room just in case you need to move things. So uh, obviously there's like a big gap between the skill levels when it comes to uh, a tattoo artist and, and piercing. Like you, mm-hmm. you've got like a huge breadth of skill levels that you can see in between mm-hmm. there. What do you think kind of separates – We'll start with like the tattoo side of things. Like what do you think separates uh, a low skilled, like just just barely entry level skilled mm-hmm. piercer to what makes, uh, you know, a truly like what makes them a piercing artist? Uh, that's always a tough one because uh, time does everything for these piercers because uh, the tattoo artist can start in a year. And depending on how good their artwork is and how, how long they progress, they can be the best of the best right. within a year. Uh, piercers, it's it's all about learning the anatomy. So it's something that develops over time because you don't get every single issue in your first day of piercing. No, no. <laughs> so you always find something or somebody's ear that's shaped a certain way that's not going to fit right or this isn't right. going to work here. Your septum's crooked. Uh, there's just so many things that come up over time. So um, I see it as longevity. Like as the piercer's been doing it for longer and longer, they're going to get better. Yeah. If they don't get better, then they should change professions. Yeah. Do you give yourself like sort of a – like? I, how do you select and train your staff then, I guess? Like, I know that, uh, like, obviously, I know Tony was going through an apprenticeship. And yeah. So I've seen people Same come thing in. with everybody. It's an apprenticeship. Uh, it's the same thing with, an like, a piercer that comes in. Like, I've, I've had training on piercing for since the beginning. I've, I went to conferences. I've read books. I've watched. I've worked with other piercers all over the country just to know what they know. Right. So they can give you the knowledge without having to go through the 10 years of experience. Right, right, right. So um, a lot of the times I can ask the questions for piercers and really like boggle their mind and freak them out. <laughs> and they're like, you don't pierce. I'm like, but I know. Right, right, right. Just because I don't know the technique doesn't mean I don't have the education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go through a six-month trial period every time they come into the studio. Okay, so you have like a barrier to entry yeah. so that if like they are kind of maybe not really pulling it together the way you want yeah. to have representing I've, your store. Yeah, I've had plenty of those that came in and out. But uh, we go through like a bunch of different safe uh, – it's called safepiercing.org. It's a, we follow Association of Professional Piercers, and a lot of their education is like – it's like being in a surgeon's office. Like right. you have to follow this, this, and this, or you're not even close to that level. And I've been to that conference nine times now in Vegas, and it's like every time it gets harder and harder to keep up. Right. But the, the protocols that we follow inside the studio is not nothing like anybody's ever seen in this area. It's usually like I, I have friends all over the country that do this kind of stuff. And right. Only the best studios have the best needles these you protocols know, the best, these yeah yeah the the woven like uh gauze pads that you have to get into packages individually right like, we we go above and beyond to make sure everybody's safe 
Right. So it's not just the jewelry that's expensive. It's like the stuff that we put into the service itself. Yeah. Actually costs us a lot of money to do. So we want to make sure you got everything in your arsenal to make sure that that piercing is going to last as long as you want it to. Yeah. We don't get a whole lot of issues coming back. Right. And you don't want them. No. It's <laughs> like, like you want them and you're going to cost yourself more money. And don't right. Want so why not just spend the money in the beginning? Right. Do it right the first time and then don't worry about it. And also, honestly, I would say for like the cost of operating, like like autoclave systems, obviously, mm-hmm. for like, you know, sterilizing, uh, you know, tattoo needles. It's like uh, just the maintain and upkeep and make yeah. sure proper maintenance. I, I would rather just have the individual package know that when yeah, that needle's done, that. it's gone. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a the old a, school guys still use the stainless steel tubes. Which oh. I watch them clean and they are very thorough. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah it's impressive. So, but yeah, we have three artists that are three traditional guys do that. They use the stainless steel tubes. Really? Yeah. I'm like, it's just, it, you walk in there, you hear the sound. I love the sound of, you know, <laughs> coil machines going. You can't hear the rotary machines anywhere. So it's like, you walk in, you hear that, you're like, yes, I'm home. Right, right, right. Yeah. You just hear that oh, buzz. That's what people want to hear when they walk into a tattoo shop. I thought it was just having it in the sound. You walk in the front door and you hear that buzzing. You get excited about it. Yeah, like we actually have a soundtrack. We have a yeah. separate set of speakers just playing that sound, even yeah. if nothing's going on in there, so that people think that things are going on in there and that they feel at home. Yeah, but cartridges are definitely easy because it's single use. Throw them out. But all their other stuff they throw out. Their needles are always getting thrown out. They're put in biohazard containers and we ship them out. Right. Do you so. have to? Do you just uh, dispose of them locally, or do they? Is there like it's a, a, it's a biohazard place. It's a waste management that we use locally. They come and they pick them up. Um, at least every two weeks and they dispose them, they burn everything. Like we do it with all our bio waste, like even our soil towels, we don't throw them in the garbage. Oh yeah. yeah and you good. don't actually have to, the only thing you have to get bio waste picked up for is needles. If <laughs> you're like, but you know well, what, like, better yeah. safe than sorry. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So I'm not going to throw it in the garbage. Yeah, we don't want any mutant out. rats <laughs> developing out back. Yeah. 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 Uh, so do you have any, like, uh, uh, my favorite thing to talk about, I did a Hell City with Brian Gecko a couple, maybe it's probably almost been, I feel like it, maybe it's been a decade now, mm-hmm. but uh, we were in Arizona at the Biltmore Estate and I don't know if they've done it. I think they did, they, they kind of keep going back there because it's like a huge convention area yeah, plus the compound area places. Yeah. Uh, but I love uh, just hearing other tattoo artists talk mm-hmm. about their like horror stories and, and just like funny moments they've endured in the last like six months or that's what we do after the convention's over right. like, let's go out and have a beer and that's what we do for like the next five to six hours before we have to go to bed again right but yeah there, there's some pretty interesting stories out there i've i've seen so much crazy stuff at conventions especially because you You're see right. all the different people coming from all over the globe like it's just not united states they're coming from europe and everything and you hear these people's stories I think the worst one is why I heard I saw somebody treat an apprentice. I was like, "That's normally and back in the day. I know they got they got treated." And right, this, right, this right. Kid, I still tell people this story to this day because he was amazing. Like he, his artwork was amazing. He could play any instrument. He was that guy. So <laughs> this he's is like, your apprentice, or no? It was an apprentice of just this one guy that I met at West Virginia Tattoo Convention. Okay, like this kid got slapped in the face, spit on. <laughs> He walked around with his pants around his ankles, doing alphabet. Right. And then they put him in front of a piano and he said, play something. People practically start crying because right. it's so amazing. And I'm like, how could you treat somebody like that? It's like a delicate little person. <laughs> and he's like that. You, you, you just want to cry because of how badly some apprentices get treated. That's like, it just boggled my mind. Right. So we don't do that with apprentices at all. Like we don't haze them. We don't do anything like that. Right. You guys see, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, Worst hazing is like, Hey, uh, we ordered food today. I guess just pick it up the tab. Like that kind of stuff. Nothing yeah. that's going to like 
traumatize them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ordered it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, sidebar, you got to go get my coffee. Like, yeah. that, that's not on the menu, but you're gonna have to go get that for me. Yeah. Uh, I had a one of the, like the ones that stands out for me is I, I went to that Hell City convention and they were doing uh, the worst tattoo and the best tattoo, mm -hmm. like the competitions that they do to kind of have people go up and showcase their work and you can either sign up or not. And uh, I. Gecko was like, you should go up and do uh, for the worst tattoo for mm -hmm. the the my left uh, bicep okay. sleeve that I had started, and it was done by a family member who he uh, he actually passed away a couple of years ago now, and uh, but he actually did my first tattoo which I mm -hmm. did keep. I was like, I could get rid of that, but I was like, that's actually my first tattoo, and it was a family yeah, member who did that. it, so I kept it, I framed it, and it's mm -hmm. kind of like you know obscured by the rest of the art around mm -hmm. it. But the one on my left arm was a little piece that was he blew up into a bigger piece, mm -hmm. and he, um, I'm trying to think of what his name is. He's out in Denver right now too. And he was judging, he was one of the judges for the competition. And so I went up and, you know, you're in a room full of a bunch of other people that are looking to see who has the worst tattoos. So you yeah. see these terrible tattoos. You're like, okay, I'm feeling a lot less bad about mine. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what? I might not win this one now compared to that. And uh, I went up and he was like, look, he's like, it's not that it's bad. It's that it doesn't make a lot of sense. And he was like, and it's bad for how big it is. He was like, it is otherwise okay. You, you otherwise can't notice it's colored and it's, you know, it, you know when you don't do the right kind of color combos between areas in a, a tattoo, yeah. it, it can kind of blend together. Like blues and yeah. greens, if you, if you do them in the wrong shades, can just kind of like, just like there's not as much separation as you want. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, so it's not that it's, he's like, it is bad, but he's like, it's not terrible. He's like, mm. it, it is just bad because of how big it is and how like not perfect it is. And I'd actually already had a couple sessions to try to fix it and get it filled in and, mm. and grade it a little bit better. Uh, and I finally this year, when I, when I, or, when I knew I wanted to go and start finishing this, uh, you know, bio sleeve, mm -hmm. I was like, I need to get rid of this or at least get it faded enough that it'll be able to be covered up. Yeah. And so that I, that was what made me, maybe basically made me pull the trigger and That's start on it. Yeah. I was like, animal. I've got, I've got a world-class tattoo artist. I think he was the, he won like ink master season eight. He was like the, one of the winners of that series. Hmm. And he, I mean, he's hilarious and he's brutally honest. And so I love those kind of people because I don't take it to heart. I realize that they're just trying to do their due diligence to be like very real with you and yeah. not sugarcoat it. And you need those people in your life. You and really do. Seriously. No filter. No, absolutely not. That. And uh, yeah, so he kind of like inspired me to get it done. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go get it lasered off. But like having a have a world class tattoo artist be like it's kind of nice to have a story that starts like that and why you got to laser it off and why you really pulled the trigger <laughs> right so it's always good to have a story behind it it's full circle <laughs> do you uh, so what were the pieces that you had you said you did your your yeah whole I did arm? my whole shoulder it was uh, I was in a biker club a long time ago before I started the studio and uh, I let the one of the guys practice on me and he put this big ugly skull on my the corner of my shoulder and it hurt like hell it was done in a garage around motorcycle parts and grease and i was just sitting on a chair <laughs> and he was just grinding at me and it just scarred up so bad right and i was like i need to get rid of this thing but when the guys were coming they gave us free laser removal oh so anybody like tattoo artists and tattoo artists like owners they get free tattoo laser removal that's it. well i mean you're the well, best referral right. system right like yeah so they're like you do it you you know post it up say that you got it from here and there you go yeah so yeah i, I did two sessions that's it. So, uh, <laughs> do you, do you, the, the side of the store that you got, you guys obviously have like apparel and stuff like that too. You mm -hmm. design some of the merch, right? Or is it all of it? Um, I designed 
probably 90% of the merch. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some of the artists will give me some ideas sometimes, but they're always like extra, extremely extravagant. Right. Like, like you need like the best printer in the world, like the right. printer to actually print these things. And they're going to cost like 25 bucks for a t-shirt just to get made. Right. So a lot of the things I try to do them a little more simple. They cost me like six, seven bucks to make. So I can get rid of them for $10. Right. More right, people right. wearing it. So it's more about people wearing it. Um, but we're getting into more extravagant designs now uh, so we can just sell them for cost. Yeah. Just so we have the artwork of the artist out there. So we have a, we have a big line coming here by, by the time the students come back. I feel like it's probably got to be really hard to deal with. Like, if, I don't know if you cruise like Google and look at the reviews of your shop, but mm-hmm. I can imagine that's not, it doesn't really exist for me in any of the industries of the things that I do. Yeah. So I don't luckily have to deal with that because if I started going down the comment rabbit hole and just – I'd be pissed. I'd be picking fights with everybody. It yeah, was like it's hard. It's hard sometimes. People always have something to say about everything. It's it is what it is. So you just try to kill them with kindness every chance you get. Right. Always offer to fix something. It's it's broken or you what can always we, fix a tattoo with a cover up. Right. 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 That's a lot of work. So I, I feel like you kind of escaped that a little bit in that you know the customer satisfaction walking mm-hmm. out of either of your facilities. Yeah. Are are generally and if not overwhelmingly positive experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a big thing with the. Like especially the piercing studio because we go through so many clients in a day that we have people working there that are constantly going to make the clients laugh, make them have fun. <laughs> you are getting stabbed with a needle, so <laughs> you don't laugh, you might cry, cry a little bit. Right? Yeah. You might have a little little hint here, but uh, it, as long as they walk out smiling and happy and enjoy their experience, that's that's pretty much what it's all about. It's the same thing with the tattoo side. Like you want them to walk out smiling, even though they're in pain. But it's different than retail, right? It's not like somebody comes in and maybe they got upselled or sold something and yeah. the, the experience is more of like a customer exchange in this like retail sense. It's more of like uh, – I always love seeing how this entrepreneurial and the art space mm-hmm. kind of blend together yeah. because they are not – they're like parallel cousins of some sort. Mm-hmm. Like they do belong together certainly. And if you're an artist and you're trying to like capitalize on your capability of being creative and artistic mm-hmm. – to, uh, in a business capacity or in, like in an entrepreneurial sense, you want to be able to, there are certain things you can do, but somehow because of the art being involved, you, mm. you kind of skirt these like normal conventional business operations mm. and in the customer satisfaction realm of things, I would imagine that like, that's a really fine needle to thread because you're with art specifically, you're putting this art in their body. So you don't want anybody getting buyer's remorse yeah. where they're like, yeah, I saw the design. It looks sick. And then once it's on here, I've got some issues. You, you do have those sometimes. Like uh, everybody gets a stencil put on. So they know what the outline's going to look like. They right. don't know what the outcome's going to be. Right. So if the outline's there and the outcome is being discussed through the procedure. They know what they're getting into and they can say something whenever they want. But some people, like you said, they're just like they're, they're camera shy. They don't want right. to. They don't want to say anything to offend or, you know, get the artist mad at them where they're going to dig deeper. It's not really how it works. Right. <laughs> they would rather you say something than put up a review later like, this guy screwed my horn. Right. Up. I didn't want this. You, you did want it eventually, but you just didn't really, I don't know, weren't really paying attention when it was going down. Well, that's the part of it, right? Like yeah. some people don't want to sit there and watch or it's in a place where it's not easy to watch. So you just kind of are like. Or it freaks them out. <laughs> so like, oh, there's so many needles going to my skin. I'm going to pass out. Which, well, we have a lot of people like that. It's like, don't watch. We'll just talk you through it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll take breaks every now and then. You go look in the mirror, see what it looks like, and then we'll come back to it. I think uh, the other thing is, like, if you're going into a tattoo, you've got it. You have to have, like, some food that your body's digesting. Like, you you don't want to be going in there on an empty stomach. That's one of the checkboxes. Yeah, for sure. And I never understood that. Some people are like, no, I don't like to eat because then I get sick. I'm like, I think you get sick because you didn't eat, actually. 
yeah. you're basically enduring trauma. Your brain is releasing adrenaline and Endorphins, all kinds of like everything that you need to go, keep going. Right. And it's yeah. this weird thing. I mean, how many people have you heard talk about it? Like, though, this is like tattoo therapy. This mm-hmm. is ink therapy. Yeah. And you're like, you have to, when you have to explain that to somebody that doesn't get it, it's mm-hmm. like the only parallel I can think of. And this is like an, uh, I would say a negative parallel would be like when you, you think about people that like self harm, mm-hmm. it's like, part of what they're doing is getting that, you know, oxytocin and endorphin release that they're, they're getting from that self-harm and you are essentially getting that inflicted trauma, but there is something also about this component of the brain to not just like every inclination you have is when, Oh, that hurts. I need to get away from it. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, (laughs) like this mental fortitude of just sitting there and being like, no, I'm going to sit here and endure this. And something about the hardship of going through that, you do come out of it feeling like, I don't know, like a whole new that's person. That's exactly how I feel about it every time I get tattooed. Like, that's why I originally got tattooed because it was like, it was just a release of stress. Like, everything that happened bad in your day was gone. You're right. focusing literally on the throbbing of your arm at this right. point and how cool it looks. And you're like, yes, I can move on with my day now. So, what did make you kind of bridge? The, obviously, you had the interest in the industry mm-hmm. and, and with it running the business, but like, what was the thing that kind of like pushed you over the edge to make you jump into the actual apprenticeship side of things? Who uh, did you apprentice under? Uh, I apprenticed under Josh. Oh, okay. Well, I apprenticed under. Every artist, honestly, <laughs> like uh, with me being an owner, it's kind of like they don't want to tell me what to do, right, but right, I tell right. them to tell me what to do. And it's like, sometimes it just doesn't work out. But I started working with Adam okay. originally, like uh, nine years ago, I tattooed myself the first time nine years ago. <laughs> I learned how to pierce from Adam. Then I learned from other people. And like, I started in the industry when I was 13. I used to hang out at Art of the Ages. Oh, yeah. wow. What with a Phil. throwback. With yeah. Phil and what was it? Uh, it was, uh, Randy Reister. He was their piercer at the time. Yep. And I was friends with his younger brother. So we used to sit there at 13, 14 years old and just hang out in the studio and be cool. <laughs> and all of our friends would come in and he didn't care how old you are. He would pierce your tattoo. It didn't really matter. Right, That's right, right. originally why he got shut down. <laughs> Shocker, turns out. But he was so much fun. Like we just sat there and like, what was it? What we smoked back then? It wasn't just, it wasn't just smoking pot. It was uh, cloves. Oh, remember yeah, that jar and cloves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like the sugar taste in your mouth. You're yeah, like, these that, are awesome. Every like <laughs> mid-May for several years, except for this year, I can say I haven't done it this year, but yeah. I do say when I go to the beach, I like to do it. Yeah. You just like just getting a pack of jar and cloves. They sell them in like mm-hmm. micro packs now because I think they realize people weren't buying full cigarettes. You don't get through them. Cloves are not a yeah. cigarette. You can just like chain. No, rip. it's not something you keep going on. It's just, but there was that's like one of my like vibe of summer, like beginning mm-hmm. feelings. It's like that I play. A handful of records that just remind me of that period of yep. Sublime. I always it run through a Sublime back. room. Yeah, and a Jar and Clove is definitely in that mix. Yep. They, they were black cigarettes. They were so cool. <laughs> like everybody got excited when they even saw you smoking and they're like, and they smelled cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why everybody was cool when they smoked back then, but it was a cool thing to do. Right, right, right. Now we have <laughs> a bunch of little robot dicks. I'm, I'm, I actually have one. I'm like, I'm swapping <laughs> out batteries and filling juice. And uh, my my bass player Nick got rid of his. It was like broken. And I'm a tinkerer. So I was yeah. like, what's broken about it? And it was like, oh, the threading that these screws that hold the base plate in stripped the plastic. And I was like, okay, so just get like a longer like M3 or M4 screw, screw slide yeah. it through there and get a little M3 or M4 nut and then tighten it and it'll be good, good as new. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So I got an Amazon. I bought like a – So like you a, did it for him. <laughs> yeah, I did it. And he was like, well, I already bought another one. So if you want that one, you can have it. And I was yeah. like, okay, all right, all right. And then I, I use it for like uh, product photography and shoots and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, and then until cool. I was addicted to nicotine. And now I just do it because I guess I don't know. I used to like blowing O-rings and now I'm just like 
shit, I'm trapped. Yeah. This is what addiction is. It really is. <laughs> I've never gotten. I've never gotten into smoking. I just never did. I, I tried to hit the vape once. I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> I cough for hours. I'm like, man. It's like I could smoke so many other things, but this is going to kill me. Right. Yeah, I know for sure this is the one. This is the <laughs> this one that takes it. me out. This is it. I'm going to have a heart attack right now. But no, no, I never I never got into smoking cigarettes. I used to do clothes when I was a teenager and, you know, the social smoking to look cool for a little bit. Right. But, yeah, I think 19 is when I never smoked anything again. God damn, we are so dumb when we're young. <laughs> Guys especially are so dumb because, oh. like, you have to have this edge on, like – uh, manifesting confidence and yeah. feeling cool. And all you have are the things around you that you, uh, you know, ingest, you know, in media or yeah. in your friend group and your social circle to be like, Oh, that's cool. Or that's mm -hmm. not cool. But the easiest thing, when you get older, you look at, you can see a group of like 16 year old kids that are all together huddled around a fire hydrant, smoking clothes. And you're like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> like, I bet you think you're real cool. I know. I thought the same thing 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm talking shit just because I need to, uh, I'm yelling at the inner child of me that yeah, did the same I know. thing. It's almost like you're speaking out for what you wish you would have said to yourself that long ago. I don't know. It's, it's hard to see it these days now. So. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even understand the whole vape thing. I was like, man, why is that a thing now? You're literally smoking electronic cigarettes now. Why don't you just do it the old fashioned way? Right. But well, I'd say it smells better. I, I like to smell better. So certainly, I'd, I'd rather right. deal with that than anything. Or the secondhand smoke giving you, you know, <laughs> emphysema because of the, you know, the thousands of chemicals that are in it and pesticides and everything. Yeah. I feel like the, the advent of it was, okay, well, if you're vaping, this is healthier because you're not ingesting all these tens of thousands of chemicals. But yeah. the trade-off is, and I knew this immediately. I had a friend, we were recording a record in Salt Lake City like a long time ago and when vaping was kind of like really making this push to being on the rise before mm. like jewels and uh, enjoy packs and stuff like that started coming out. And I was like, yeah, but you're just heating up a metal coil. Like the mm -hmm. quality of that metal is going to matter certainly. And yeah, the overall functionality. Yeah. And that's not going to be something you can do for a long time. Like you're going to wear that out and then just mm -hmm. be inhaling some form of rust basically. <laughs> so like, I was like, Oh, and now here I am, you know, it's like, certainly it takes like a, a big health scare for a lot of people to stop doing something that they shouldn't be doing anymore. Yeah. And until they get it, it's like, they can't learn the lesson. And I feel like I'm going to be a victim of that famous last words that will come back and bite me in the ass someday. But I am in a phase of life now where I've started to like get around to being like, all right, I, I really do got to address this thing or that yeah. thing that I've been putting off just for comfortability's sake. Getting wiser, or, wiser every right. year. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it is. I, I just, <laughs> we like to think so. Right, right, right. As a man, we like to think so that we're getting wiser every year. Yeah, that's the new jarm clove for us yeah. right now. Yeah, I know. This podcast, I was saying jarm. That, I was saying that till 4th of July when I felt like I was 16 years old again, running away from fireworks, <laughs> lighting them and running, throwing things like a little kid, throwing the, the, the what the, what the hell are they called? The black cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind everybody and watching them jump. I'm like, Wow, I'm not. I'm wow. I need to stop. Well, the thing is, when you're a kid, you want fireworks, and your parents mm -hmm. are like, "Nah, you're gonna blow your fingers off. You can't be having M80s or quarter yeah. sticks or any of these things." And but then, did. as an adult, I'm like, if I fuck around and see a roadside <laughs> fireworks stand on the way back from vacation, I am going to stop in there and spend an inordinate amount of money on these things that I don't need. I'm like, Roman candles are sick. Have you ever wanted to feel magical? Just hold a Roman candle, and then. And yeah. then they crackle. You're like, that's I... how we started the day. Right. <laughs> it was freaking shooting them at each other practically. Right. I couldn't get anybody to do it this year. I was like, no, you guys are. We have a video horses. of two guys. They had got the Excalibur swords that shoot sparks. What? And they were, they were sword fighting with these sparks shooting at them. I'm like, 
this is the dumbest thing ever, but it looks so cool. Yeah. And we got a video, so. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said. I mean, partially you got to do it for the gram. It's not even about, it's oh, not yeah. even about the public health or safety issue no, that you present. I'm not about that at the moment. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what this is about right now. It's about being me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it weird. I'm going to make it fucking crazy. Uh, so right. you're getting married soon. Yeah, next month. That's crazy. It's coming it up so fast. It is. Maybe. And then we, like, I just have like, I'm at, I'm at that age where I'm not married and I've got everybody around me. My age is like either on their second marriage or they're having like kids now finally. And, uh, you know, I cannot help my, my poor mother. She's just like, I do want it, a granddaughter. I want, and my brother had all, he had sons. So like, yeah. you know, she's like, just I'll snip him. He don't need to have any more, but you should probably get on yeah. it. Yeah. I'm so, huh. I've, I've been married once. So this is getting started over again. And I have two teenage kids. Right. And she wants to have a kid because she's younger than me. Um, so we're going through that whole phase of trying to have a kid now, too. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to do this again. <laughs> You're like, I'm almost free. She knows that. Like, I tell her the same thing. I was like, oh, I'd love to have a baby with you. I'd love to have a baby because they're just so cute. Like, you right, fall in right, love right. with them as soon as they come out. But it's like. Yeah, neurologically, our again. brain does the same thing as the tattoo. It just dumps a bunch of oh. endorphins and oxytocin oh. and all kinds of stuff to get you just be like, I must protect this child with my life. Yeah. This is the cutest thing of all time. I feel like I'm halfway through my life and I'm starting over again, but it's, it's all going to be worth it at the end. So you've got that youthful energy. I feel like I do. I do. I, I still run around with my son. We still play basketball, football. We're going to go to wing fest, probably dance and act like weirdos. So what time are you guys going out there tonight? Uh, probably seven thirty-eight, something like that. Seven thirty-eight. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. We'll get there right before it starts to get a little darker and then we'll stay for like an hour and a half. Kids will be knocked out. Yeah. Take them home. I feel bad we didn't get to do – I wanted to do – when you guys were celebrating the anniversary of the the shop, you were like – you were like, yeah, would you guys want to come down and play? And we were just in this place where we were all scattered. We were yeah. focusing on trying to just get together for like dialing things in for like one show here, one show there, mm -hmm. and writing. We've just been in like writing yeah, that's what Steve kept telling purgatory. Me. I, was like, I was like, I totally get it. I, but like I, I love that you have such a connection to the – like not just the creative tattoo and mm -hmm. piercing side of art. Like – you like art for art's sake, and yeah. and that makes you sort of not just a a connoisseur, but also like a, you enjoy taking it in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love that you even reached out and asked us if we wanted to, because I was like, I do want to. I was like, <laughs> shit, I wish I had a little bit more of a heads up on this. Like, but what it does do, uh, from my perspective, when I switch hats and put on the artist hat, is mm -hmm. like, I love being like, oh, you know what? This is a way that I'm kind of not failing in my artistry, but a way that I'm falling short in. A, in what I would love to do mm -hmm. and acoustic shows are so much more, they're nothing to people to play acoustic shows all the time. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't bother them at all. But for me coming from like this uh, full wall of sound kind of rock energy yeah. behind us, it is a totally different like interpretation of what mm -hmm. we had written. And so I don't like to do just like a literal acoustic translation. Yeah. We could, and it would sound fine. Like you would, it would negligibly be, but whatever. Mm -hmm. But it did make me realize like, you know what? We haven't gone through the process of sort of like revitalizing certain songs that we really like and mm -hmm. putting them in a new, you know, expressing them in a totally different way acoustically. And so we've started like, that's Start in the, the burners now. Yeah. So as we're that's writing stuff, cool. I'm like, oh, it'd be interesting to, I've started, uh, our guitar player, Aaron, that passed away, he would love to know this, but like we started, uh, when I hear a full demo of a song that we start to write to, I've started shifting and being like, let, let's break this down into what the chords are acoustically. Mm -hmm. So I can see what kind of melodies that evokes. Cause it's going to be in the same key. So I'm going to be able to come up with melodies that work here and there. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, I, there's no right one right way to write a song, but 
you, you find in all sort of art creativity, certain routines and practices that work better for you than others. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the same thing in everything. Like every everything that comes with art, you you try different mediums. Yeah, and like doing an acoustic. Like I've I've heard so many heavy metal songs. Right, and then I heard them doing the acoustic version. I'm like, it's like a whole new song. I love both of them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just love the way it sounds when they can just slow it down and you can hear everything. I this example, I give this example to everybody. Uh, I'm a big Bring Me the Horizon fan. Mm -hmm. uh, I really love what they've been doing for like the last decade, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have an album that came out. Uh, called Sempaternal, and they released one of the songs on it was called Sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. The song itself is like, it's not necessarily an overly heavy song, but it is heavy and the guitars are heavy and the drums are big and it's got this like arena rock feel to it. And uh, there was a band that was basically, they were like really small and up and coming, just a duo. Mm -hmm. um, they were called This Wildlife and they did an acoustic cover of it. And the Bring Me the Horizon liked that so much that they ended up taking them out on tour with them because they just did wow. this really stripped down acoustic version of the exact same song. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, took creative liberties with some of the melodies here and there. And it is like such a beautiful rendition of a song that was already kind of like slower and more beautiful on that record. And so it, it's like, it serves more of a purpose if you're an artist to kind of mm -hmm. dabble in these new realms because you don't know what doors that kind of opens for you. Yeah. And if you're in the space where you're trying to do art as a, you know, a creative uh, and also entrepreneurial endeavor that mm -hmm. can financially kind of, you know, save you from the nine to five of being in a, an office job somewhere. Yeah, it's like, you done that plenty. Yeah. And I just, I feel like I could, I could never go back to it. I, I've never had a nine to five. I've always had like service industry or I have, you know, some for, like when I branched into photography and videography, that was off the back of music and music video production yeah, and doing that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice that it, you can have all those realms where you can just pull them all together into one big thing. But I, for a brief stint, I was working at Penn State for the uh, WPSU and I was mm -hmm. doing, uh, there was a show they did for the Penn State football program called Unrival, which they've since the pandemic have stopped doing. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like not dreading because I knew I was going to come up with something cool that day. Like I was only, they wanted me there for as many hours a week as they could get me. But I was like, at this pay rate, you got me for 15 <laughs> hours if you're lucky and I'm going to knock out like a killer piece for you. Yeah. But I'm not giving you guys 31 hours a week to keep me out of full time yeah. and I'm not joining union to make 25 bucks an hour yeah, or whatever it is. It's just not worth it. Yeah. I make way more freelancing yeah. than I ever could there. But I'm a Penn State graduate. So I was like, part of what I want to do to get back to my alma mater is join and, and kind of do this. But the process of having to go into, it'd be one thing if you were going into a studio to do work, mm -hmm. but when you're going into a studio and the editing rooms are like small block cubicles that you're stuck yeah, in there's not really it. much I've on the before yeah it's like this my ex-wife used to work at wps here she was a project manager there. the roughest dude I, she used to take me through all the time and i'm like wow it's like because i've seen like big soundboard studios and I'm like, right there's nothing like that this is not that yeah <laughs> and uh but in doing that that was like the closest i felt like i had come to creatively being in a nine to five mm -hmm. kind of position it was never nine to five i was like Games were over on Saturday. Mm -hmm. and if it was an away game, they'd be flying back. They'd be ingesting footage like Sunday night. So I would go in Sunday evening around six, seven, eight o'clock at night, maybe mm -hmm. nine or whatever. And then from like nine to three in the morning, I would knock out an edit that would be ready for notes in the morning. And I would get like six hours of sleep and go back in at nine, make yeah. my final touches. And then they'd have a video by noon, the, literally wow. two days after the game. And this is like with very minimal organization mm -hmm. taking place on like the the structuring of how you're going to find all these clips you need because they want it. They started like letting me do whatever I wanted. They were like, you just come up with things, find the best plays, just make something cool. And they kind of left me to my own devices and they loved what I was getting. And then I gave them it's like I gave them ideas of what they should be maybe 
plucking out of that. And then they started giving me like things they wanted to see specifically. And they have a, such a heavy skew on trying to shift the narrative of how you observe it. Yeah. It was just miserable. I was like, you're sucking so the life start, out of yeah, this. Start taking away your creative freedom. Right. I'm like, I am a Penn State fan because I was born and raised here. I remember going to the uh, the homecoming parade when I was a little kid. My mom would like fight off sorority chicks that were like <laughs> blocking off College Avenue. And, and she'd be like, no, my kids are going to sit here. You can't block off college. You're a sorority. Like, I don't know who you think you are. But she would like literally – I watch her every year fight with these sorority girls. Uh, Ma'am, you can't sit there. And she'd be like, she just stonewalled and like pretend she didn't hear them. <laughs> I was like, this is an, this is a brilliant exercise I'm witnessing right now. And uh, so, so I mean, mom. I grew up as a Penn State fan, and so I'm like, look, I am your I am your litmus test for your audience. Like, mm-hmm. you, I've been through the ups and downs of the Sandusky scandal, and then mm-hmm. the years prior, and all the years since we've done all this like program building. I was like, I don't need you to tell me what I understand this is your property and I'm just here to, I'm the vessel to kind of create this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think you're doing a real disservice to your fans by not being authentic through your art and what your fans are kind of taking in from the the tapestry of the season that they get to watch and Mm -hmm. as it unfolds. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It was just one of those things that really frustrated me. And that was like the closest I'd felt like I'd been to being, I might as well have had to wear a suit and a tie. It was driving me. And I like wearing suits, but like, the I, the idea of the suit to me is more fun when you have a suit that you like mm-hmm. than the suit you have to wear to be in a, in a vicinity of a, a certain place that you're doing uh, some work in or the whatever. same boat. I feel the same way every time I think about putting on a suit. It's like I'm putting on a suit for me. Right. right <laughs> yeah. This is for me and for what I'm promoting myself for. Right. So it's it's definitely different than going into like a Fortune 500 or like a nine to five job and wearing a suit and tie and trying to act the part right right because right. you are acting at that moment you don't <laughs> want to be there you want to do what you want to do and so that's kind of where i went one of the things i noticed uh when you started or i guess it was probably before you were sort of posting some sketches that you were doing mm-hmm. have you always sketched or is that something you kind of picked up recently um i started drawing when i was like like five or six years old right okay so like, it's like I, a thing yeah, that you had when been... i was younger i was like drawing beavis and butthead <laughs> that kind of stuff and I always loved drawing cartoons like Looney Tunes, like Bugs Bunny. And oh, yeah. I would always draw that stuff. But I kind of like veered away from that when I started working so much. Right. When I was in like my 20s because I started like I got married. I had kids. I needed to buckle down and really do what I needed to do as a dad. Yeah. So I stopped drawing for probably like almost 10 years. I didn't draw anything. And it just started like coming back to me again. I just the space started, was around yeah, again. Yeah, it was like it was my calming. So yeah. I would just sit down and draw. Because you can't do anything else when you're drawing. You can't. Right. You can listen to music. You can have the TV on a background, but you can't physically do anything else while you're drawing. Right. Because you'll just lose track of your thought and your art- artistic mind. It's gone. Yeah. There's a Zen and the, the the practice of performing yeah, in it was, an art. It was my therapy. It. Yeah. And then, uh, so that would be like a traditional pen and tablet kind of, yeah. or pencil and tablet kind of setup. Um, but you're doing more like digital stuff now. Yeah, we started, everybody started messing with iPads and I, I tried my Procreate hand and all that. Yeah, so I started messing with Procreate and all the different uh, brushes and whatnot. It's still hard for me to like get away from pen and paper. I'd rather do like, I love doing watercolor. Oh, Watercolor really? is my favorite medium. And I started messing with acrylics and I have a big Finding Nemo, big piece that I started at home. <laughs> uh, so I'm just playing around with different things and I never, I never finish them because I'm like, all right, I got this almost done. Ooh, I got this new like pen chalk thing that I want to try, and then that's it. There's like 20 projects sitting in my house, half finished. Right. My my <laughs> my problem with that always became like uh, I want to be able to share this digitally, and mm-hmm. so to take 
you know, without having like a really high end scanner that's large enough for whatever size of thing you're doing, you want to be able to. Plus, also like the transfer isn't always like a direct yeah. interpretation of what you see when you're looking at a sketch, which maybe is good. But if you want to be able to like digitize something that you've sketched mm-hmm. and have it created and put onto like a T-shirt, for example, yeah. there's like this sort of barrier to entry. So it kind of pays to kind of dig into these Procreate Wacom yeah, tablet I love style. It. Like, I- I was just drawing before I came here. I had like 20 designs for a flash sale that we're doing next weekend, just like playing around. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's like, okay, now I can just email this. Right, right, right. I don't right, have to worry right. about spilling something on or anything. It's <laughs> there. It's never going to go anywhere. I don't have to worry about leaving it here and somebody throwing it out. I, you just constantly have it. So digital is definitely the way to go in the art industry now. Because we do, like, everybody always complains. Everybody copies. Everybody does this. Thing. Right, right, right. But if you're drawing an image from a realistic photo, um, you're making it... And it's hard to say, like, you're making it art without stealing the entire rendered image that they had. Right. So everybody takes a piece of something, even if you're using a reference image. Right. So if you're like, I want to draw a flower. Okay. Can I think of a flower in my head? That's not going to look misproportioned on the paper. Right. Right. So I look well, at like you a real catalog rose. every flower that exists so you yeah. can know with what you want to pull and draw from. It's like. Yeah. So it's just hard when you don't have like some people have that mind like a bird. Bird has that mind. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, yeah. you'd be like, what do you want me to draw? Okay. Right. He'll, he'll just draw it. He'll He's take a five minutes. He can, yeah. Well, like, he, he says, and I believe it, he has a photographic memory when it comes to imagery. Yeah. So he can see something once, and it's there. He can draw it whenever he wants at that point. Which I'm is like, awesome. Like, I wish I could do that. Like, man, I need a reference image. Right, right, I need right. something. I'm not going to trace it and copy it, but I'm going to use it. So part of that for me was uh photography mm-hmm. like I, if i could photograph it i i could then take it and go into the sketch phase if i wanted to do mm-hmm. something and and then i've got like a, a reference drawing that i took mm-hmm. so it's you know but at the same time it's like if somebody does a painting of a piece of a, a of a flower mm-hmm. and then you like that flower so much that you borrow inspiration from it mm-hmm. you are already kind of copying what they copied out of nature in the first place unless yeah. they drew it everybody from, copies from scratch <laughs> yeah what is a good artist copy great artist steal yeah <laughs> and like like if you take the exact image Turn it into an outline. There's mine. I did that. No, you didn't. <laughs> we know you didn't. Like that face, that's a real face. That's somebody's picture. So right. No, you didn't do that. <laughs> you did not do that. <laughs> Unless you took the picture too. Do you feel that uh, with the advent of sort of AI kind of integrating into this space that you're you're noticing sort of uh, – like I love it. I'm a big advocate for it. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that when it's – metadata is being pulled from you know thousands of pieces of art from a particular artist and that's what's you know training the ai to turn around and generate an image for you mm-hmm. that there is some sort of like uh creative stealing but i had a really i i wanted to say i saw both sides of the argument mm-hmm. and i had a friend of mine that i kind of uh i i pitched this argument to or rather i made a post about it and he he kind of just messaged me directly he was like this is like people this is like cavemen being pissed that finger painting wasn't the way to do uh you know artistic drawings anymore as soon as the paintbrush was created they were yeah. like oh this is just what now you're not doing it with your fingers so it's not real art so it's like i think if you're doing like ai art where you're having it generate it and you're not doing anything with it then yeah i mean you're basically just getting something else that's kind of created but for yeah. inspiration's sake i can see both it sides. is nice to sort of see the ability to kind of ma- hey i want to see a pig uh, holding a balloon, flying on the, you know, like you can come up with these weird, ridiculous oh, prompts amazing. and then get this idea and be like, okay, I don't like what they did there, but I did, I do like some of the things yeah. that I like here. Yeah. And it's still an image that was rendered from millions of different images that created something. So it's not like you're stealing one image. You're stealing pieces of an image. Right. Because it's, it's, it's your reference. It's your artistic mind being like, okay, I like the way they did Super Mario 
and I, I'm going to put fangs on him. I'm going right. to have blood dripping from his nose and he's going to be beat up or something right. like that. Like that, that's your rendition of somebody else's work. Right. That's just like a person standing right there. Right. I'm going to draw that person, but it's going to be a person that has like a limb missing or I'm going to make it dark and demonic and black eyes. Right. So it's just it, like that is where the way your mind works. So even if you draw something off the top of your head, you have you've you've seen it before. Yeah, it's not like I it's not like I have a, a problem with the verbiage, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like I, I don't want somebody saying I stole something or mm-hmm. that I uh, you know, copied something, but they forget that there's still at the end of the day, there's this like internal reproduction process that takes place in our brain that we we are like interpreting and then re-expressing no matter yeah. what. And so this idea of the the copying and stealing thing, it's like I don't know how to tell you this, but we're all borrowing influence from mm-hmm. everything around us. Like my musical tastes are not just formulated by the music I listen to with my mom and my dad, but mm-hmm. like music that I found on my own and yeah. also music that friends introduced me to. And that's that's just one avenue of art, music. Yeah. So when it comes to like painting, it's like, you know, I the, the Salvador Dali quote, have no fear of perfection, you'll never reach it. It's like that is probably the best kind of lens to look at art through because – it can't ever be perfect. It can't ever be done. It's just mm-hmm. you just stop working on it where it is and yeah. and leave it in an interesting place so that it can be <laughs> observed. It's the best way to think of it. It's, it's your inspiration. Like yeah. everybody needs to find inspiration from somewhere. Do you no find what you do? What do you kind of borrow your influences from? Do you think in in like the the sketching and in the I've seen your flash pieces. They're yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I go but I go back and forth. Like a lot of the stuff, like uh, the stuff I've been doing lately, is just off the top of my head. Like I I'll take like realistic images and turn them into a sketch or turn them into something that I see as being exciting for me. Like something that I'm like, oh man, I'd love to put that on somebody. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I don't know, it goes back and forth for me a lot when I'm thinking about what I'm going to draw next. Because you have to go with what people want too. Right, yeah, it's not yeah, always yeah. what you want. You build what you want over time. Right, right, right. So you get known for a style that you perform. Yep. But everybody starts with something. So I still, me as still coming out uh, with the tattoo industry and actually being able to be a tattoo artist I have to do what people want. I have to Pinterest. Right. <laughs> I have to Pinterest a lot. And it's uh, it, it gets a little crazy, but um, I'm trying to put my own spin on the Pinterest world so it can start to easily transition to what I want. Yeah, I mean, and then your influence and in, in sort of like into that kind of mm-hmm. art is always going to be an evolving process too. Because yeah. like as you're accruing new skill sets and just, uh, you know, like people forget that it takes so much repetition mm-hmm. to be able to really harbor the skills necessary to then turn around and use them at will to mm-hmm. replicate new things that you want to do. Yeah, it's just going to be muscle memory over time and your, your brain's going to be the same muscle. Like you're going to draw one thing and then. You're not even going to think about a drawing ever again just because it's going to be that simple. You're not even going to look at the paper. You're going to make it happen. And that's where I want to get to that point. So it's just draw at least two, three hours a day. Yeah, that's good. Get that muscle memory knocked down. And then I can draw things that I have never seen before. So I read this uh, study, this neurological study that was done that if you are – if you can do something that is creative, that invokes like creativity in your brain for just like – I don't even think – I don't remember the exact amount of time. I think it might have been 30 seconds or it might have been like three minutes. It might have been 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But if you can do something creatively when you are – whether you think yourself a creative person or not, Mm -hmm. you actually start to like hardwire the neurons in your brain to start to think more creatively. So Mm -hmm. just by exercising a little bit – and it's not like only in the sense that I'm doing art or sketching or Mm -hmm. tattooing. It's like 
your brain will now start to think creatively about how it problem solves. Hmm. And it's very weird to think that like yeah. our brains are so susceptible to being able to be sort of programmed and trained yeah. in. And so it's like a, what you put in is what you get out. So you need to kind of ingest the things that you want to ingest mm -hmm. if you want to be able to get to a point where your throughput and your output and your art and your expression kind of manifests as like a, a direct correlation to that. Yeah. I think the idea of training your brain to do a lot of different things. Like I, I didn't know anything really like school tells you about business, right. but it doesn't tell you about business. No, not at all. So you, everything you're researching, you try to figure it out and try to lock it in. So as you train your brain to do this particular thing, it develops in more and more over time. Yeah. So as you're learning and researching and researching, you're learning more than you're going to learn in school, obviously. Right. Because you're actually learning the things that Trial you need fire. for that moment. <laughs> yep. So that's uh, like with the business stuff for me, like 10 years ago, I didn't know enough about business. I knew about managing a business. Right. I didn't know how to run a business. And, and that build. looks different in different businesses positions. Yeah, exactly. So every time you think about what are you going to do next, what's going to be your new business model? I'm going to focus on that particular business and be like, okay, how do I do this? Right. I'm going to research everything I possibly can for that particular thing. And just go with it. What do you think the first hurdle was for you whenever you kind of like the thing that you didn't realize you didn't know when you've mm -hmm. gotten into it? And then once you're in the process of doing it, you're like, oh, I did not expect that actually. Yeah. Marketing and advertising. I think it's the hardest thing in business. Yeah. And honestly, it's like numbers are easy. <laughs> numbers are easy. <laughs> they don't lie. HR is easy. Being there and actually managing a business is easy. It's literally finding the right market. Like, you know, the area. But do you know the people in the area as right. well as you did 20 years ago? Right. So me being older now, like the 20-year-olds and 22-year-olds that are running around, what do they like? What do they What do they actually look at to find where to go next? Yeah, and you figure hard. like at our age, our generation was basically – we grew up on advertising and media that was sort of like geared a specific way. Like I can recite specific commercials from childhood mm -hmm. that were – Crossfire, the game. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. why, but I got the theme song in my head. I can pull it up whenever I want to <laughs> on a Rolodex, no problems. Yeah. But, you know, their generation, if we thought we've been over-advertised too, mm -hmm. they're way over it. And so now advertising is more integrated into other stuff that we kind of consume. Mm -hmm. And it's weird when you have to think about yourself being competitive with like a Fortune 500 company on how you're going to advertise mm -hmm. as a, you know, as a video photography creative or as a musician in the mm -hmm. band an artist or you know a tattoo artist or a piercer it's like mm -hmm. how am i going to advertise what it is that i want to do and actually i talked to jesse down at the shop <laughs> i popped in randomly to see if you were down there to see about getting you to come on the podcast probably like two or three weeks ago yeah and he was in there and he was like hey like i have this idea like i'd like to do some of these like videos do you think you might be able to i have a video i want to show you to see if this is something you can kind of pull together that's jesse and i looked at it and i was like i mean i love doing that like yeah. hype hype reels are so much fun to do if you know if you're interested in the avenue that you're kind of going into, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the industry, in the tattoo and uh, piercing industry is is so much fun. Like you're, you're literally watching like art is so crazy because it's all kind of plucked from the ether, right? Mm -hmm. And But like piercing is a little not maybe as much on the artistic side mm -hmm. in terms of like functionally going through the anatomy and piercing something, yeah. right? That's like a – uh, a set of skills that are applied. But then there, I've seen people that get piercings that like there's like chain links between them and they choose yeah. – like so there is still an art yeah, aspect to it if you're – Custom figuration. Like yeah. finding out new ways to come up with a new niche that nobody else does. Right. And so – it's hard. It's it's hard because there's only so many things you can do with a piercing. Right, 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 right. It's evolving. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I, piercings that I see and like it's like – it is art. When you look mm -hmm. at somebody's ear and you're like, oh, the placement of each one of these holes and which pieces you mm -hmm. decide to put in here, like this is really 
this is still like a form of creative expression that's yeah. really, really interesting. But when you do like a hype reel for something like that, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to go to somebody else and be like, hey, you need to make a hype reel for this guy who's a tattoo artist or a, a piercing artist mm-hmm. and uh, you got to make it look cool and engaging mm-hmm. and you give that to anybody, you're going to get a million different answers depending on who you ask. But with the thing that Jesse showed me, for example, like I look at it and I consume things that people show me constantly mm-hmm. for clients that are like, hey, I want to do something like that. And the first thing I do is I'm like, Oh, I don't like how they did this. I don't like how they did. I would have done yeah. this different. These transitions are kind of hokey. This, you know, whatever. And so that is me kind of like reverse engineering what they did yeah. and fitting it into the mold of how I would do it. But uh, yeah, I told him I was like, yeah, like you know, we you should do something like that and get it done before August, mm-hmm. so that come student move-in time, oh, yeah. you've got something cool that you can put out there and promote and you can kind of recycle in a couple different ways to get people to come in and want he to get things. He has good ideas. He just he needs to finally run with one because he always has the ideas but never goes for it. Right. Like, just just go for it. Just pick, pick one and go for it. Right. It's so much trial and error, man. You just have to try and see mm-hmm. what flops and be like, damn, I really thought that was going to be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That idea of failing forward is like so tantamount to the, to the degree of success you can see. Mm-hmm. You've got to be willing to just fail. All, all growth takes place from, oh, nope, don't do that, do yeah. this. And so we somehow internalize it. I don't know if that's like a Western philosophy kind of thing, but it's we not do not take well. Like yeah, it, <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah certainly failing. is not fun. It's, it's happened. I, I've had two, two studios that really just plummeted, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I was just yeah. – I was I don't know. I was so sad about it. Right, of course, because to some degree you can be caught in this but victim like of I circumstances failed. thing. Like it failed. It just, it just didn't work the way I wanted it to. But there's takeaways, right? Yeah, there, and was, then, there was a lot of takeaways. <laughs> so yeah, I learned a lot. I learned more from failing probably than succeeding. Yes, of course, because yeah. I, I, I said this the other day to somebody. I'm trying to think of who it was. Uh, I said I would rather be somebody who gets somewhere that they want to be based off of like hard work mm-hmm. than off of genuine inherent talent because I feel like it's too easy to rest on your laurels mm-hmm. of I'm just genuinely gifted and I just do this because mm-hmm. like you can – you can see early success in a way that you don't benefit from when you see no success for a while and you have to kind of keep hedging your bets and trimming your, your process out and, and figuring out a new way to go. Yeah. That's, that's the business mind. Like anytime you think about it, you have to, you have to alter your perspective on everything. It's always going to change. It's always going to be, I want to go this way, but I should go this way. So what's, what's this compromise in the middle? Right. And I do a lot of that where I compromise because my, my suggestions are always so over the top and <laughs> yeah, I want to go good, good on you for setting yeah, the bar up here. I right? want to set the bar up here. So if I land here, I'm not too disappointed. Right, 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 right. <laughs> if I set the bar here and I, I hit that same, say, you know, you hit 60% of the, you know, the trajectory you were going for mm-hmm. 60% of this trajectory is not as far as 60% of this trajectory. Yeah. So it makes sense to kind of, you know, I like the quote of like, oh, shoot for the stars. And even if you miss, you'll land on the moon or whatever. <laughs> but the process still remains, right? Like if you can set the bar high, you you know there's always going to be shortcomings. There's always yeah. going to be things that interfere. There's like, yeah. you know, detours and all kinds of stuff that you have to take along the way. Time. You can't, per- very seldom do you get a perfect execution on anything. Mm-hmm. And so if you can learn to kind of be, there's like a certain degree of pragmatism that's involved. Like you got to be realistic, but sometimes no, sometimes just pie in the sky, be wild and weird and then shoot for it. And then there'll be shit that you'll get, you'll accomplish along the way. You're like, man, I did not think we were going to get that mark, but we did. That's so sick. That's that's happened a lot. Like a lot of things I've tried that I didn't think were going to work. I was like, I'm going to try it anyways and see what happens. (laughs) If I lose a thousand bucks from it, that's my fault. Like, 
but I'm going to try it once. And if it doesn't work, I might, I might actually try it again. Right, right, and right. And it's sometimes that there, you just see it and there's like a spark. Maybe this first time was a fluke, right? Yeah. It's I'll like try that, anything twice. There's something there. There's something still there. So sometimes you can feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll go for it again. If it doesn't work the second time, you're like, I'm done. I'm never doing that. Right. Just wipe that off the table. Yeah, there's something to be said for investing in your losses, right? Like yeah. you got to be able to look at uh, a loss and say, hey, that was an investment, not mm -hmm. just a, a trial and error kind of situation yeah. that I went through. I put myself in a position where I specifically wanted to see if I would learn or, mm -hmm. or benefit from this. And so I, I do a lot of shit that is catalytically inclined. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm going to change this and just see what this does on – this side of things. And sometimes it's like, Hey, I can't be spending as much time in the editing booth as I am yeah. doing this thing for this client. I'm over perfecting for a price. that does not marginally reflect this degree mm. of like perfectionism. Mm. So it's like, not that you want to shortchange a client. Certain things are baked into how you operate. Yeah. So like, I'm not giving anybody a bad edit period, mm -hmm. but some people get an edit that, you know, as an art, this is a pretty profound piece that has come from me mm -hmm. and I'm really proud of specifically because I like took my extra time and mm, yeah. uh, I had a, a director, um, Don Hampton, uh, who's kind of like my mentor in the videography space when I first got in and we still do projects together here and there. And we did a client project together and he brought me on as a, a second filmer and a videographer or as an editor. And I was like, I have this love-hate relationship with his workflow because he is a very adamant, like, hey, spend some time on this. Hey, that's done. I sent him a version. I'm like, okay, that's version 10. That's got to be – got to be close to getting done on this. Yeah. And he'd be like, just spend a little bit more time. I want to come in and sit with you on an edit and then make notes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I usually absolutely hate that because – but not in his case because he actually knows what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. So it's like you're getting useful feedback and what he wants. And so you don't realize there's certain things that you might have missed by not going through and giving it another pass. Just give it a fresh pass. Mm -hmm. Take two days off from it. Come back in a day or two. Like when a client wonders why a video is going to take a minimum of two to three weeks turnaround time, mm -hmm. it's not because I can't get it done in two days. It's because you don't want what you're going to get in two days versus what you're going to get in three weeks. Yeah. And if I had time to spend on this, I'm going to go through and just as a process of like cycling through stuff, I'm going to reprocess the audio a little bit differently. I'm going to make slight certain adjustments. I'm going to add some like natural sounds in here. I'm going to add some like sound effects to kind of fill in this space visually of what you're looking at. I'll put overlays on that kind of help with the transitions and seamlessly getting me from point A to point B in a very fluid way. And none of that can happen if you don't give yourself the time to develop that. Yeah. It's the same thing you were talking about with the tattoo. Like yeah. sometimes if you give it the time. Yeah do it in small spurts and sessions, you'll actually see how it'll progress over time because they'll be able to manipulate that tattoo a month out or six months out yep. to make it that much better for longevity where you're going to look at it in 10 years and be like, this thing still looks badass. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, this this bio piece is, you know, four years old now, maybe maybe five. Mm -hmm. And it is the only piece I've ever done that I didn't have finished in, the one, in one session. Mm -hmm. I've gone and done other sessions after when something's done to get it, like, touched up or like yeah. add contrast and dy dynamic, but the piece itself was done usually. Mm -hmm. And of course the first time I'm like, no man, totally. We can totally do multiple sessions. You have to, for the bio stuff, you absolutely have to, you need yeah. like three or four to do it well. Yeah. You so, see how those lines heal. And yeah. Everything spreads out. And so this, of course the first piece that I do, that I don't finish. I'm stuck with this, like yeah. one, one Everybody or three to four <laughs> sessions. And I'm like, Oh, it's not, it's not done yet. And I know it's not done yet. And yeah. it's only grading on me. Like I'm sure, you know, Geckles in Denver, he's got work to do and he's got new clients and he's new projects and he's got a, he has an apprentice right now, which is yeah, like something he very, very hesitant about wanting to take on for a long time. But mm. I'm thrilled to see that he's doing it because yeah. he's got a gift and an art that he needs to put forward. And I think about the same with you, like, you know, 
people need a home to operate out of. Mm -hmm. And so insofar as most tattoo artists are probably not great business managers, it's good to have somebody who's interested in the culture mm -hmm. and is a business manager running the show and giving them a place to call home and a place to safely operate out of. Yeah. There's That's so much that comes with like that comfortability and safety of being in a place where you know you feel valued, respected, customers are, that are coming in are the kind of clientele you want to deal with. Mm -hmm. Like walk-ins could be, I remember for a long time, walk-ins, there were, it was tattoo marks. Mm -hmm. There was Art of the Ages. There were a handful of places in the area where you could do walk-ins and they were like, you know, that was the place where all the fraternities and the sorority girls yeah, went to to go get. Look at the flash on the shelf and be like, <laughs> all right, which one do you want? <laughs> which one is yours? <laughs> that one? Okay. And then we're just going to slap this on yeah, you. It's basically you a have... barcode at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Adam had one of those in the back of his head. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, does that thing actually scan? He's like, it used to. Because that's yeah, what happens yeah, when yeah. you have those lines that are too close together. Over time, it just right. turns out and you're not going to be able to get the same thing out of it. Yep, exactly. And so I, I feel like it's really good that you've created this sort of like safe space for a lot of the artists that you – you basically harbor artists. That's like what you do. Yeah, it's – it's well, it's, it's the business model that I've always had. It's like bring in artists that can focus strictly on their artwork. If they don't want to focus on their social media, we have – we pay for counter staff that will actually do it for them. Right. Um, their portion of the, com the commission, the percentage that they give to the shop actually goes towards covering that. somebody taking care of their scheduling, somebody taking care of their social media, handling their clients, answering all their phone calls. Like they get babied. They have everything covered. <laughs> so all they do, they come in stress-free, give a solid tattoo Right. That the person's going to be happy about, and that's it. You go home. Yeah. Worry about your home life. Worry about you. Yeah. You, and that's the thing. You got to respect and understand that like these people have mm -hmm. whole lives. Like their their art is a part of your livelihood, mm -hmm. but your livelihood is a part of their art too. Yeah. And so it's good to have a space where you've got somebody who's got your back and is like mindful of that. Yeah, that's just a, that's how it's been since day one. Like just focus on the artists and making sure that they're happy and enjoy life without having to have all the stress of owning their own studio. Right. But right, still right. make good money. Yeah, exactly. So they still have to take care of their families and take care of themselves. And obviously, if they're there, they don't feel like they're getting killed on commission, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if commission covers something. It's one yeah. thing if you were – like I, one of the reasons that Gecko moved out onto his own was mm -hmm. because he didn't want – he was like, I'm at a place where like I don't need to be here. Like I could mm -hmm. be – I could have my own studio at home and be mm -hmm. doing this and not be paying the rake that I'm paying out here just for – like yeah. people aren't coming to me because they're walking into this place to get a tattoo. Mm -hmm. They're coming to me because they, they like my art and they're seeing my artwork out and about there. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, word of mouth is like a, more of like a prominent – means of marketing oh, than you could ever kind of one in this industry yeah. yeah word of mouth is huge so like a lot of artists that's how they become their, that's how they get their names yeah so like like gecko he's a single guy he can work out of his house most of these guys that i have are family men they don't want people coming to their house right of their course not. there it's their safe place yeah so to have something like that where they can have a place to actually tattoo where nobody's going to know where they live they don't know their phone <laughs> number they don't know anything about them outside of the studio they feel safe. Right. So that's that's just where I always focused on that. There are those people out there that work at their homes that are fine doing it. And more power to you. If you do solid work and it's not the kitchen scratchers stuff that we right, have, right, have right. horror stories the about. The horror stories about yeah. it. Yeah. So it's like as long as they're doing – like Gecko was always an amazing artist. Like, yeah. I went to him too. Like he's just – He's just a solid tattooer. And that word of mouth travels fast, man. Like, yeah. who does your work? Like, it's nice when you get stopped and somebody acknowledges mm -hmm. or, or can recognize. And they know who it is. And you're like, yep. Right, right. Yeah, that's my favorite part <laughs> now is I run into people and I'm like, oh, who did that piece? And they're like, Gecko. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And then we like sit there. And you have like this common ground to kind of talk about. It's like this through thread that mm -hmm. connects us in a way that you otherwise wouldn't expect to be connected to somebody. Yeah.
Oh, tattoos do connect you with a lot of people that even if they have one tattoo, they're connected to you. Oh yeah, with yeah, a piece yeah. of art. You're a part of the community. Yeah. So and what is it like? One out of three people have tattoos. <laughs> one out of two people have piercings. It's like it's it, it's something that's going to keep a business alive for a long time. I love seeing the trend. When I uh, so when I did my study abroad in undergrad, mm -hmm. I lived in Japan for a little while, mm -hmm. and I had some tattoos, and they were the culture there is still super strict about it. Yeah. Like when I went into Gold's Gym, actually. Like, this is impossible to do. I eventually had to go get a long sleeve Under Armour shirt because I was like, I'm not putting a bandage on my bicep, wow. which I will be curling with, and it's yeah. just going to fall off. And then uh, you would go to, like, the onsen or the hot springs, and you would they would make you, like, bandage and cover up. Wow. And so you're this guy who's sitting in a – like, any part of you that <laughs> is covered with a tattoo with is bandage. Yeah, you don't, are you a burn victim or do you have tattoos? <laughs> like, which is this? And uh, and I don't know how much that's changed. I'm, I'm, I'm plotting a trip back uh, in the near future to go uh, back and sort of revisit some of my old stomping grounds. Yeah. But uh, in the U.S., I could say in, like, the workspace, mm -hmm. for the longest time there were people – they wouldn't go below the elbow yeah. because that was like, oh, I don't want to – It was in, like, law enforcement. It was lawyers, doctors. Doctors, it was all over the place. Yep. So anybody in that – higher profession where they're dealing with people. On but that's fully started basis. to shift in the last like oh, decade yeah. easily. Like, and it's been a slow turn, right? Yeah, but no, tons of them, tons of doctors and surgeons that are like fully sleeved. Yeah. And it's impressive to see them when they actually pull up their sleeve and they're like, yeah, man, I get tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. All right. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, for me, I, I wanted to, when I, because I started getting tattoos that were below the elbow mm. and, and were more visible. I mean, obviously mom, not a big fan. Right. Mm. But, you get to kind of function as an ambassador. And I kind of took that role seriously. I was like, I want people to see my tattoos and think one thing mm -hmm. and then actually speak to me yeah. and learn that their, their bias or their stereotype of what they mm -hmm. thought I was is not who I am mm -hmm. and, and see like, Oh, and I mean, this is in a lot of conservative communities. You can run into people where they see a bunch of tattoos are like, they'll treat you a certain way. Oh yeah. They'll think they're just a thug. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's nice whenever you don't, you, you, have like a full sleeve or, yeah. you know, chest piece or you got a throat banger, you know, job stopper and you go in somewhere and you're like the sweetest, kindest person. They're like, people need to be checked in that regard sometimes because yeah, it's not, they really e do. they're obviously a bunch of idiots that have, mm -hmm. you know, full sleeve tattoos and throat pieces and yada, yada, yada yeah. that are just not pleasant to be around for this it's, it's one reason or another. Too, but. but I looked at it like, you know, I'm giving, being given the chance to be an ambassador. I think about mm -hmm. this when we play like in other countries, I'm like, mm -hmm. I am like a, a U.S. ambassador. I'm, a, I'm an artist ambassador in another country, and mm -hmm. I want to leave that impression to the standard that I want to. And and just like you know, with with the tattoos, it's like if people are going to see me mm -hmm. and think one thing, I want them to realize that they, you know they very easily could and most likely are wrong about what they're observing and who they oh, think yeah. I am. Especially when you're traveling all over the place, you, oh, you yeah. always get those people. Like I've had people come up to me and think that I was a drug dealer and ask me <laughs> right. to get them stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no. Hey man, can I get a bag? You're yeah, like, it's like, wait a minute. What? It's like just, they're like, well, you have tattoos. I'm like, is that a thing here? <laughs> yeah. It's like that's not that's not really how it is. You're like, wow. But it was, it's just so weird. Or they'll, they'll like walk on the other side of the street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's like just, I was, I'll shake your hand. Like, no guns. It's Don't like worry. A, We're it's okay. Middle-aged white women are like my favorite. <laughs> it's like my favorite game to play. Like, I'm like, <laughs> or if it's a friend's mom and like the the the, the kid that I'm friend, the person I'm friends with is like so like clean cut and yeah. like not like that at all. Because I've got, you know, you use the same way. You have a yeah. variety of types of genres of friends, basically. Yeah. And you go around their family and they're like. What's that mean? And then you kind of get this discourse you get to kind of have with them to be like, quit being a dick. You don't, yeah. you don't know what's going on here. Sometimes it can become a fun story, though, too. Right. Like, I have a lot of friends that have never been tattooed in their lives. 
like my fiance before she met me, she didn't have a single tattoo. Oh really? Yeah. Now she's that's got, hilarious. Now she's got two sleeves, <laughs> sternum tattoo, tattoos on her legs already. I don't like people just start to they start to fall into the enjoyment of the industry, and they're like, uh, "I'm going to be who I want to be." Then, right? And it's like I don't care what everybody else around me thinks. I'm going to be this person. This is the person I want to portray to everybody else. Right. Either like it or don't. And over the last like. 30 to 40 years, the art itself of tattooing has developed. Oh my goodness. Like you're, we're looking at, you know, new, the traditional tattoos before mm -hmm. we went into neo-traditional, yeah. you know, that, that style of tattoo mm -hmm. is not for everyone. It wasn't for me, certainly. Like I no. was like, I, I don't have any interest in having a bunch of like flashbangers all yeah, over me. I'm not as much interested in that stuff anymore. The Sailor Jerry drawing, style. Like, drawing it's easy, but. Right, but actually wearing it. But look at the way the art is scaled. You see mm -hmm. some like photorealistic self like portraits and oh, stuff like yeah. that. And you're like, man. I don't even see how some of these people do it, but I've seen them healed too. Yeah, true. So you, those are the ones that you're talking about. Like you have to wait for over time. Then they go back into it and they add some darker colors. And but when you have they somebody who does life. know how to do that. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that don't. They just want it done. Move on. Right, I need right, that money. Right. I'm over. Oh, those are fun. Those are great memes. Like, like, oh, like seeing the difference between di different artists doing the exact same, mm -hmm. you know, portrait or whatever onto somebody, or yeah. if it's like a dog or something like that. Uh, and you watch it, and you're like, oof, <laughs> oof, tattoo nightmares. Yeah, 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 for sure. That could ease. Is that a show? Yeah. Oh, okay. They that had makes tattoo sense. nightmares. It was it was pretty impressive because they had like tattoo nightmares where they would do cover ups on people. That yes, that's tattoos. right. Okay, I have seen that show. Yeah, yeah. So it was like some of these things. Oh, you would see. Uh, my friend Courtney Ramondi, she was on mm -hmm. that show. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, was that on MTV? Yeah, I think it started on MTV. I don't know. Like I stopped using cable. I don't know how long ago. Right. So everything was on like YouTube channels or something like that. Right, 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 right. So that's mostly where I saw everything. But I used to love watching the shows. Yeah. I met a lot of the Ink Masters throughout conventions. Yep. Met Bob Tyrell, who is like one of my favorites of all time. Dave Tavanaugh, who did this one on me. Like, these are the names that a lot of people don't know about. Right. Um, but when you see their their repertoire of art yeah, and their work. When you see their work and what they specialize in, you're like, wow, okay. Right. right. But yeah, I've, I've met some of my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one industry I'm actually comfortably okay with meeting my heroes, right? Because yeah, yeah. like, uh, like, uh, guy Aitchison, like I was, yeah. I liked his work, but when you meet him and you talk to him, you're like, man, this guy is cool as hell. <laughs> this guy gets right. it. This guy gets it. Like he is, he, this is like his, you know, his life's craft is a bit in creating this style of art and developing it in a way where, you know, he's kind of looked at as like one of the published gurus of that style. Mm -hmm. And, and then what delineates away from him and evolves and changes from different style, like, I love the way Geckle does bio work mm. and I love uh, Ty McHugh and I think he has a very sharp contrasted mm. version of it. And I think that's like certain parts of me are like, oh, ooh, that's one of these hits a little different in certain different pieces. Yeah, it all but, depends on how they layer it because the layers yeah. can make a huge difference. Somebody can layer where they want it to be a little lighter. Somebody yeah. want the, it to be a little darker. The stippling the and all that. Yeah. When you go yeah. through and you're adding textures and layers to yeah. stuff like that. One of the things I loved about uh, – you, you think about that art as being something that's kind of crafted and created and drawn and that's how it gets put out mm. or, or put onto somebody. But one of the things I did, I, I did some documentary work for Ty mm. and I remember we were in Arizona. He was like, yeah, we're going to go on a hike today. Like I, I like to find like natural pieces of structure and wood grains mm. and rocks and and kind of get into what – like he takes a camera around mm. and he just goes and gets like a little 50 millimeter and he'll go and he'll get pictures of all these different things. And so I started doing it too because I was like, wow, that is actually really interesting. You don't yeah. pay attention to how much – you know, sacred geometry and art is really kind oh, of going everywhere. on around. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing to say sometimes. Uh, and it pulls out when you see it, just like 
right in front of your face and you're not noticing it until you like really no, yeah. look at something. Well, so I, not long after, and probably before I went down there, I had gotten this uh, 100 millimeter macro lens and I kind of gone down this macro photography mm -hmm. like rabbit hole where I'm like, oh, I love taking videos and mm -hmm. photos of things at this very, very close up level. So you can see this thing that is otherwise really small and you have to kind of look at really closely to get that yeah. same sort of perspective and view of and putting that in a place where you can watch it comfortably from your screen or on TV mm -hmm. or whatever and having it be full screen and blown up and like. Oh, wow. Damn, that's really sharp. It's <laughs> it's crazy to think about the little nicks and textures you see on like a yeah, top or uh, it's pretty cool to see the pictures, especially because like, we do it with jewelry. We use a macro lens for right, jewelry right, right. pictures because you have to get that glimmer. You have right. to get that shine. <laughs> yep. The gold has to look clean. So, yeah, we got into that a little bit. We use a cell phone one. Now. We don't need anything crazy, but, but well, you, it would be around. nice to have one. Right. Well, turnaround time is important, too. Yeah, right? like, you like, don't want to spend the time. It, we don't like, have time to edit. It's just pure raw images going up get it up get it yep, out yep. everybody gets to see it that's yeah the, and then you're not bogged down with like a, a lot of people do that where they, they they treat it's obvious in a visual art business you would mm -hmm. think like okay yeah media is going to have to be a part of what we do because that's how people are going to see what we do yeah. but then it's not just media itself but like right presentation of that media mm -hmm. and so a lot of companies don't like smoothly acclimate to the idea that, oh, we also have to function as a media company so people can see what's mm -hmm. going on in our, our business. And obviously, and luckily, like you don't have to deal with that because it is almost intrinsically baked into the art, you know, the, the business yeah, itself. It is the, pretty much is the business, is the art. But in doing so. that, there are wrong ways and right ways to do it, mm -hmm. right? And so wrong ways are just to take this like picture from the sidearm and it's like th yeah. there's no detail in that and then you start seeing somebody who does like a nice slow video that kind of like scales yeah, up somebody's around. arm and lets you see the detail. Well, that gives you replay value and there's mm -hmm. some, you know, monetization techniques and tips and tricks you can do in that direction. But the idea of not getting hung up on, uh, you know, how you get to that content level that you want mm -hmm. and being able to focus on being like, yeah, this is just a part of the process. This is how we do it. Mm -hmm. It's done. It's out. And now we're on to the next one. We're not bogged down and waiting and dealing with like a photographer, a videographer or an yeah, agency that's taking care of this. It doesn't really fully understand what we're doing, but they can be paid to do this thing that we're asking yeah. them to do. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to post that picture right away so people can see it on the page. So it's like. I want the artist at some point to get some kind of education on how to take a picture so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so bad and they know it and they're like, I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, here, I'll just show you one trick. Try it. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's getting to the point where I'm like, I'll take the picture for you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you have somebody who's working at the front desk that, you know, like this yeah. is what they do when a new client is done. You send them up and have like an area in the front where they can basically yeah, pop that's up what we're working on now too. We have like a little photo booth area in the back that we're putting in its own room with its own like, uh, like light boxes. And right. Boxes. There you go. So then it actually is lit the way you want it yeah, to. Yeah. So everything could be uniform throughout the page. Cause we're really trying to get it to that, that area of, you know, cleaning up the social media. Do you think you'll stick around in Happy Valley for a while? Yeah. I think, I mean, if it's going well, it's like, why, why shut it yeah, down and move it somewhere else? Just pop up somewhere else. There's no reason to actually move. The only time I'll actually move is like probably like closer to my retirement age where I'll go and do it somewhere else by myself. Right. Your own like micro yeah, shop, just you. Like maybe over a decade from now, maybe we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, you got to have that life. You have that life projection of where yeah. you want to end up. It's like, just, just live off of everything that I've done in the past 20 years. And then have some fun tattooing, doing it on my own. So I know it's coming up on seven now, so mm -hmm. we probably got to get wrapped so you can make it to Wing Fist on time. Mm -hmm. But uh, so where, what are the socials? Where can people find out information from you, like website, social media? Websites ads? are always easy because there's everything on it. So gotcha. We have iconictattoo.com. We have luxpiercing.com. 
Um, we even have, uh, we call it Beauty in the Valley as our new permanent makeup website. Beauty in the Valley. Beauty in the Valley. I like that. So I, I call it BITV. Uh, so I created a website on that so I can have the prices and example videos and stuff like that so people can see what they're getting into. Uh, so everything's on the websites. I, I usually, I don't really focus on the social media as much as the websites because you go on a website, I have all the social media on there. It's all there. But I'd it's rather iconic you, with a K, right? Yeah. Iconicink.com? It's Iconic Tattoo and then Iconic Ink is Altoona now. Oh, so, yeah, that's so how you're segregating. That's the separation. <laughs> so I remember at this point to, separate, to have them separate because I started overlapping them. I would post something on the Altoona page that was for the State College page. Now they're separate. So And then what's uh, what's Lux's website? Uh, Lux, uh, it's uh, Lux Piercing. So L-U-X-E piercing.com? Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. So it's, it gives a little bit of insight on what we do. gives aftercare instructions, pretty much things that people can go to if they just have a question before they want to call. Because a lot of people get nervous calling and don't want to ask the dumb question. Right, right, right. So you have those opportunities. You don't have to sound dumb. <laughs> well, dude, I, I mean, I want to think... no question's a dumb question. I, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and it's important that your clients know that because yeah. that you want them to be asking questions because you don't want them going into it and being blindsided by anything that they exactly. could, very easily might have had a question about when we're fearful of asking. Yeah. But uh, Dave, man, I'm really thankful you came on the podcast. I'm really thankful for what you do in this area because (laughs) tattooing and piercing culture in this Mm. specific little nook of a town that I call home and you call home was not always raised to the the status and and bar of quality Mm -hmm. that it is at now. And I think that I look at you as sort of like a pioneer in that front because – there, there was not a tattoo shop in this area. The entire time State College has ever existed or a piercing studio that has ever existed in this area that has like the, the right class and aesthetic and mm-hmm. vibe that you've really locked down. Um, I'm going to have Carlos and I are going to come down uh, in probably the next day or so and just come in and just do some B-roll and get some good shots. Yeah, that you no, obviously, I'll be there all weekend. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get, we'll, obviously, you'll be able to use it for whatever, but yeah. I, I want to be able to showcase – Mm-hmm. just the coolness of this place to people that are have either never stepped in it or have been curious about it driving by because you can drive by any place in State College yeah. a million times and never go in it. I know, right? <laughs> so, dude, just thanks for doing what you do and really bringing like an elevated level of like professionalism and understanding of aesthetic and art and creativity well, and, and fostering great artists out of the area. Like Bird is amazing. Yeah, like it's been so cool to Bird. watch him bloom over the last five to six years. Yeah, now he's on his way out again. Is he he's really? Moving, yeah, he's moving out to Du Bois. He's no. Going to go to Ink Excess. He's, he needs to learn, man. He's got to learn from something new all the time. That's how his brain works. He yeah, gets, for he sure. He gets stagnant for too long and he gets frustrated. Yep. So do something for him. We're, catalytically he's inclined. He's like, I'm going to move here. We'll see what develops when yeah. I do that. He'll be with us once every two weeks. He's always going to come back, he said. so. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's awesome. That's a good relationship we have now. So. Well, thanks for helping elevate that culture and that community here. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, just like sort of. I, I could care less about like the success or rise or fall of like mm. people that choose to do business here over somewhere else. But I'm glad that if there is going to be somebody doing something that is an industry that I'm so passionate about mm. and interested in, that it's somebody like you who's got that eye and that vision for it. Because like, you, you're not just the dreamer, you're the doer also. Yeah, so I'm it's really, to. It, <laughs> you to do, do man, you do, you do. <laughs> and, and it's good to know that you're here and, and it's good to know that it's in safe hands, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think that you're going to go on like a midlife crisis bender yeah. and shut it all down and no, sell it off. And that. yeah, well, you've you done, enjoy life. you've set a lot up to make it so that you can, man. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, I'm really glad you came on the podcast. Oh, I've, yeah, I've been told you I've been trying to do this for at <laughs> least six months. I always have fun talking to you so we can do this all day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. We should, we should have a podcast for the studio, for the studio for uh, whether for Lux or for Iconic 
just to be able to have oh, dude, I, the I, horror I, stories that come in there and just sort of the, we could talk about it all day. There's so many different, <laughs> we'll never mention names, but we can mention stories. Right, right, right. For sure. <laughs> right. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you, brother. Oh, hell yeah, man. Let's get you to wing fest so you can get some, uh, get your grub on and yeah. have a good night with the fam. We're always collaborating at all times with the universe. That is a wrap on another episode of the Collaborate Eye podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the part where I beg you to please hit that like button, subscribe, and turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. And don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media at Collaborate Eye podcast on all the cool platforms to share your thoughts, your feedback, and your love. Until next time, Collaborate Eye, baby.